Okay, I'm ready. All right, we are rolling then, so that's good to go. Um, I guess we'll just start right into it, because we've got a ton of shit to cover. Welcome to Dance Robot Dance, everybody. This is uh, episode 53. Uh, I'm Mark. I'm here with Tim tonight. Hello. Uh, and Christy's off doing like 4 million improv shows in two weeks or some crazy nonsense. So Is that the Hamilton Fringe Festival or the Toronto Fringe Festival? she's doing Hamilton Fringe. Okay. All her stuff was for the the staircase place that she usually does something at so i think she's in hamilton but she's doing like i don't even know how many shows were on that poster that i designed that she took credit for um (laughs) it was like as you do the life of a designer pretty much yeah it was like 10 shows in two weeks or something like that so she's busy so we got our i guess our this is like a sports reference so you'll excuse me if it's totally wrong but we have our like designated pinch hitter here uh, Paul is in <laughs> Korea. He's joined us up for Hello. Today, so. Hi, everyone. Sounding like trashy garbage because he did something to his microphone. So. Uh, <laughs> Using the backup microphone. Yeah. yeah. Backup mic. It's, it's you, you sound like you're. You sound like you're coming from North Korea, not South Korea. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, they don't have electricity there. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably that's a fair point. Um. We got a shit ton of news, so I'm just going to get like right into it. So first things first, um, last week, George Romero passed away. Mm. Um, yeah, that was that was a tragic one because, I mean, he's a massive fucking icon of horror and uh, zombie zombie movies are one of my you know favorite subgenres of horror. So that was definitely a hard one to hear, although I mean, well, he has still been pretty active. He's still been, you know, actively like producing and even directing like, uh, you know, of the dead movies yeah uh, pretty recently so yeah 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 no i still um night of the living dead like the original is still one of my favorite like it's one of my go-to horror movies like i'll go back and rewatch it once in a while it's so well done dawn of so, the dead is is one of my absolute yeah, I love favorites dawn of the dead like too. uh yeah that movie is fucking phenomenal um it's one of those ones i've got like that crazy huge uh like set that's got like four or five different cuts of the movie in it and yeah like two or three different soundtracks and really, really just, I mean that night, night of the living dead sort of like maybe started that genre, but I would say dawn of the dead sort of defined it in terms of a lot of the tropes and stuff that sort of codify zombie movies for the last like 30 years. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I just got to be snobby and indie about it. So I want to go back to the original all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. With the, the guy with the suit that falls off and yeah. Yeah. Yes. You can see his bum. Yep. Quality movie. <laughs> Quality made for a shoestring budget movie. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. And one, would ar- one could argue that Dawn of the Dead codified a lot of tropes that have been horribly misused in recent zombie movies, so that's for better oh, or yeah. but, <laughs> uh, Like World War Z or what? A, what 28 weeks later. I, I like 28 days later, but yeah. Z- zombie movies are not my fave, but I Romero's uh, loss is still felt because yeah he was that he was the guy so absolutely all right moving right along uh we we can't dwell on anything too much here folks yeah, yeah. no we got some we got some shit to cover so <laughs> yeah. we're gonna keep moving 
Um, we got our, we've announced our new Doctor Who, and I have her name, and then I lost it because Jodie Whittaker. There you go. Um, who has already worked with a Doctor Who, oddly enough, because yeah. she was on Broadchurch with David Tennant. So, yeah. and she was really good in it. Yeah, she was really good. Uh, in the, I think, I think I've watched four episodes of that show, and I know there's probably like eight of those. So I should just finish it, but I never did. Um, she was excellent in it. Also, I think the showrunner for Broadchurch is now the guy who took over Doctor Who from Moffat. So they have worked together oh, previously okay. as well. Well, that kind of makes some sense then. Yeah, because I know you were expre- expressed some concern with them, like replacing the Doctor and the uh, showrunner at the same time. So hopefully this will ease that transition, the fact that they've worked together before. Yeah, that was just more my um, desire to see um, Capaldi get get written well. Yeah, have a season where he was not totally horrifyingly failed by the writer's room. Yeah. Um, which he, for the most part, like from what I've seen so far has been. I haven't seen, I've only seen the first episode. Of this, this season has been his best season, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's on my, it's on my very quickly expanding list of shit to watch that yeah. uh, keeps getting longer. Uh, I'm usually not too, too bad, but I'm just like, not in tv mode lately so i'm like yeah i'll watch it eventually it's just i think i need to another add another big hard drive to my rig to fucking store all this shit now though so <laughs> so that i have it at yeah. my disposal when it comes up but uh yeah no i'm excited for uh like the take on like a female take on the doctor so that should be interesting what do you guys think um i think well, that... the internet did oh, oh. sorry go ahead paul i was just gonna say that yeah the internet really did suck about this because like a lot of yep. fucking trolls crawled out of the woodwork for this one um but i think that including a doctor do you see one of the old doctors took a fucking big dump on it too this like this week i think it was doctor five uh shit hold on i saw i saw two or three that were like tom baker i think was uh was good with it and uh Uh, no say your point and i'll I'll find this thing okay well i was just gonna say that like the uh the knowledgeable outsider alien type uh, role has not really been played by a woman, especially not someone as prominent th- as the Doctor. And I think a lot of uh, guys are going to be like, especially if there's a male companion, th- that she gets to be like the knowledgeable one in the room while um, the the guy is like the heart of the show and the emotional core like the female companions used to be. And I think that mm-hmm. threatens people a lot for some reason. And I think it's really, I'm really excited about it because I think it's going to be really oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, the the internet was full of fragile male tears this week and I just fucking ate them up. It was delicious. Yeah. Like, see, I thought it was, it was funny because I didn't see anybody, I, I feel like it was like 10 people bitching and then like 10 million people being like, shut the fuck up, nobody cares, but people just <laughs> glom onto those 10 people bitching because like, yeah. I was so like, I knew they were going to do it, like it was kind of inevitable at this point, like that, most of the people that we'd heard being like the successor, we're like, it's all going to be women. And I was like, okay, we're having a woman doctor. That's fucking fantastic. It's the yeah, 13th. It's about fucking time. It's about fucking time. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was like, whatever. But it just seemed like I didn't see, I didn't see any negativity. And I'm a Redditor and I didn't see anything <laughs> bad about it. So I was like, where's the, where's the hate coming from? I saw it mostly on the BBC book posts and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, unlike the major announcement posts, like the BBC posts and uh, and like the actual like Doctor Who Facebook page, a lot of the people replying to that were like, "Oh, fucking liberal BBC or ruining uh, ruining Doctor Who for political correctness and shit like that." And everybody was, you know, citing like 
uh, fucking, you know, and all these people have no idea how she's going to do. And they're all citing like, well, it's just tradition kind of thing. You know, he's supposed to be a male. I'm like, you guys have fucking 50 plus years of male fucking Doctor Who. And you're bitching because there's going to be two to three years, maybe, given the you know past track record of a fucking Doctor Who with a vagina so well she's she's younger she might stick around longer like and i honestly if it's gonna piss people off i'm all for her sticking around longer. (laughs) especially if the new fucking writer is good and like they want to work together for five or six years yeah Yeah. go crazy yeah um it was uh paul davison is it paul davison oh okay yeah Uh, sorry peter davison i misspoke peter davison peter davison um says the decision meant that there is a loss of a role model for boys. They don't have enough role models. Yeah. So go back and watch the fucking 50 years of reruns and or go to the movies and watch a Marvel movie that hasn't had a female lead in it yet. Like every single one, every single one. I also like definitely one of the lesser doctors to be sure as well. Yeah. Like what did he do like a year and a half? I don't even remember how many like. It was, how long was he there? Uh, three seasons, it looks like. nineteen yeah, Season 19, 20, and 21 through oh, okay. 82 through 84. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, like the fucking dregs of Doctor Who right there. That's like the worst fucking time period to be yeah. him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like if there's even a doctor saying shit, I guess, okay, I'm missing some of this stuff. I'm not, I'm not actively looking for that kind of shit. So I guess I kind of missed that stuff. But I'm excited. Like, I'm sure she's going to be awesome. She's worked with fucking Tenant, so she probably knows what like he's gone through and all that kind of stuff like yeah. yeah and and i'm glad that bill potts is i re- like for the few episodes that i've seen of this season maybe the first four the current companion i really like her so it'll be nice to have a female doctor and uh lesbian woman of color companion as yeah. like that's that like, cool but here's the thing are they going to immediately fall back and my first concern was are they going to fall back into the trope of the companion falls in love with the doctor oh you're like, you're like, okay, we finally had an older doctor that can't, like, that, what the fuck was her name? Clara can't fall in love with, mm-hmm. because whatever, and then <laughs> now we've brought a, a female, like, a lesbian companion who also is not going to fall in love with the doctor, but now we've made the doctor a woman, and an attractive woman at that, like, she's a good looking lady. Mm-hmm. So are we going to go back to the, the old, like, super hated trope of, like, companion falls in love with doctor? Oh, I don't know, but would it is it would it not be an interesting take for it to be like girl on girl same sex? Well, I mean now it's if if well spoiler alert for you guys that haven't seen the last episode of last season now it's not even you know girl on girl it's sentient oil creature on girl. Oh, okay, okay. I gotta I gotta start watching Doctor Who I guess this week. So yeah, so Bill Bill has a really crazy sort of uh, story arc in the last couple episodes of the uh, of the season. Uh, and I won't spoil it for you guys since it sounds like neither of you have watched it. But uh, yeah, it ends with her have, yeah. going through a big transformation. Oh. Yeah. Still identifies as a human woman who is gay, though, right? <laughs> so in theory, yes. And in theory, like if she's like a living oil slick, think about the things you could do with the T one thousand. You watched the the first episode with the girl that she was chasing around, right, Mark? Uh yes. The yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Basically, something happens at the end of the season where she becomes okay. that kind of being. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. 
Not that's not oh, giving so too had, much. They had an almost they had an almost seasonal arc of like on the show. Oh yeah, like, yeah. There there was definitely some sort of overarching uh, storylines this season, which is one of the reasons. I mean, I'm a sucker for that, but I think mm. that's one of the reasons Likewise. that this was one of the better uh, seasons that, or probably the best season that Capaldi has had in terms of writing. Mm. Well, maybe I'll sit down and watch. I'm still like I'm still slogging through season two of Twin Peaks, so I can get up to the new <laughs> stuff, but. Uh, Nice. Maybe maybe I'll segue over to Doctor Who for a weekend and get into that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, moving right along, uh, Tim, I'm, you're gonna have to like lead me on this one. The Star Wars Hotel. What is going on here? Uh, so this is part and um, parcel of the big, like, massive uh, uh, Star Wars Land expansion at uh, which which got a name uh, out of this is all out of the D23, the Disney Expo, which is yeah. now you know Disney and Marvel and. Lucas art or uh, Lucasfilm, um, and so uh, yeah, as part of that, they announced that the Star Wars areas of Disneyland and Disney World will both be called Galaxy's Edge, uh, it, which makes sense because it's apparently like a world that they've never shown before. It's like a outer rim planet kind of thing. Uh, but along with this, they have announced that there is going to be a completely immersive Star Wars hotel. So basically, I've I've heard this place is going to be like fucking eight or nine hundred dollars a night minimum but it's basically you check in they give you a costume and everything and ah! you have like a storyline ah, seriously yeah that you live out in this hotel That's so the whole so cool. hotel 100 percent cool. themed to star wars um i'm not sure how they're gonna work it in terms of like you know varying lengths of stay and stuff like that but uh yeah like you might like end up like being recruited as a, a group of people to go on a mission on the millennium Falcon or something like that. And that kind of thing. So I guess they'll have different storylines. Like it's like leaning pretty heavily towards like a Westworld sort of situation. But I mean, this is the very early announcement of it. So I'm not sure, you know, to what extent it will actually be, but definitely sounds pretty cool. So when, what, what happens when some like rich star Wars nutbag, just decides to like buy a room in there to and live, just live in live Star there. Wars. Yeah, like, just live yeah. in Star Wars land for the rest of his life. They just have to keep coming up with new storylines for him. Yeah, exactly. Be like the man in black in fucking mm-hmm. Westworld. Just start like killing, raping people because he's bored and shit. Like, yeah. I don't know. No, people know. are going to, I'm sure there are going to be people that start like selling off their Star Wars collections so that they can spend like, you know, a month in this hotel oh, and shit. I can wow. only imagine that. Yeah. That's crazy. That sounds awesome, though. That would be like yeah. I, I would for me a fun weekend. Not yeah. not super wanting to live in Star Wars world. <laughs> yeah. They make a Star Trek land. I'm fucking packing my bags and I'm gone. Yeah. But like, no, I think it's cool. I mean, it's unfortunately it is going to be stupid expensive, probably. Absolutely. So I uh, I don't know, you know, how many people are going to be able to afford it. But uh, there's definitely a market out there for it. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Oh man, that and I mean we'll also yeah we'll also see how the sort of idea evolves as it as it develops and that kind of thing. But well, once they actually get it into production, that would probably be a little bit of a harrowing like yeah, that's going to cost a lot of money. Good thing they make all the fucking money in the world at this point. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. What else happened this week? All right, let's keep moving. We got uh, lots to cover here. So Game of Thrones premiered this week. Did I know Tim didn't watch it? Did you watch it, Paul? I sure did, and I. I blew my load in like the cold open. It was so good. Yeah, oh, God, uh, Tim, you should have watched it th- tonight before we I started will. recording, so <laughs> we, we could talk about it because it was fucking. It was pretty goddamn good. It set up all the pieces nicely. 
Yeah. If this is just this should if this at this point if this just plays out like one long season like these two kind of cut up whatever mini like seasons. yeah mini seasons they're doing this plays like one long season and the way they've set it up this thing it's gonna be a fuck of a ride till the finale so yep we'll talk about that more next week I'm assuming Christy will have caught up to this also actually I'm not even sure Christy will be around next week either so Paul fix your fucking microphone so you, if you have to be <laughs> next week working on it right now actually oh boy. <laughs> Uh, so we won't go too much into the Game of Thrones stuff because Tim hasn't seen it. And it'll spoil poor boy. We got enough to cover this week, anyways. Absolutely. <laughs> um, what else? Everybody? All right. So quickly, New Nine Inch Nails EP hit streaming services today. This is like the second of three planned EPs for the year from Trent. He actually played one live show this week. I don't know the fuck he's doing, but there you go. Well, if we're going to talk music news, then we should probably at least address the musical death that we had yesterday. Yeah, that was really sad. That was pretty sad. Not my uh, not my musical cup of tea, but yes, like 41 years old. What the fuck's his last name? I had it right Chester, Chester, Chester Bennington. Bennington. Chester Bennington. Lead, lead singer of Linkin Park. Park, who apparently committed suicide yesterday. Yeah. On Chris Cornell's birthday, apparently. Yes, it was and Chris Cornell's he birthday. Was he was you know, really close with Chris Cornell. and He sang his he sang at the uh, the funeral, yeah. yeah I don't so. know, he sang Amazing Grace at the funeral or something like that. So he was he was close with Chris Cornell, too. Yeah, he's musicians, man. I don't know what the fuck. Uh, I think they're just getting into that like midlife crisis kind of thing in a lot of cases. And they're just like, you know, what the fuck am I doing? And... You know, I've sort of ridden out my uh, my fame at this point, and yeah, their fifteen minutes was up a fair a fair chunk of time ago, and they didn't have they have a pretty fucking um, fervent fan base still on the internet though. Like, there's still oh, yeah. a lot of people that talk about Lincoln Park. Like, when they put a new album out, it's still something that like I may not care, but it still hits my feeds because I'm still like engrossed in like the rest of that metal scene. Yeah. So when Lincoln Park puts something out, it still like sends a ripple out that like even I notice, and I'm. Totally insulated, so. And I think, like, a generation, like maybe even, like, a half a generation below us, like, those people that are, like, around 30 now, have yeah, a lot Paul's more res- Yeah, like, Paul's age probably um, have a lot more resonance with Linkin Park than yeah. uh, uh, than we did, because it kind of came later for us. Yeah. But it was always, like, they were always kind of, like, the, the they, they were the pop version of new Metal, which was not the... The scene that like any of us were going to be that into. I mean, like the yeah. closest I come to like what it was new metal is like Rage and the Deftones, right? So like, yeah. and like Lincoln Park. I, I think always, it's hard to call Rage even new metal. Like, well, I mean, was... but, like they were like they were the precursor to it, yeah. right? like that whole rap metal thing. Like they kind of yeah, started yeah. it, and then it was Deftones, and then Corn, and then all that and shit happened, and then like a couple years Limp later, Biscuit, like, Limp Biscuit, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which Paul owned, I just want to point out. Paul had that CD. I never I, bought that one. Paul owned it. I didn't even get the good one. <laughs> we'll get to embarrassing music later. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I, I definitely own some corn albums, so I'll talk about that at some point. Uh, but yeah, that's super sad, because he had like six kids or something like that, over two marriages. and Yeah. Yeah, 41 years old. Left like his. I just saw like the band. Obviously, they canceled the rest of. They were on tour. They were playing in Toronto in a couple weeks. I kept getting notifications about it because I bought those Deftone show tickets. Whenever, so, um, yeah, super sad. Um, what else do we have? All right, so Nintendo's already updating patents for Nintendo 64 controller and console. So it looks like there's going to be a Nintendo 64 classic in the works for next year. (laughs) They're just going to go down the list. It seems. Yeah. yeah. So in three years, when we're playing our Wii classics with yeah. <laughs> our Wii U classic, Wii, Wii U classic. <laughs> <laughs> right? Jesus. 
Uh, that that would be a feat of engineering if they get that little tablet fucking thing set up so that it's <laughs> properly for more than in, in the battery lasts longer than fifteen minutes like mine does now. So. Yeah, the the overall consensus of these classic systems is that like everyone wants them, and Nintendo has such a limited run of them. They're like, Nintendo, why don't you want our money? It's kind yeah. of. It was kind of like the idea of having Pokemon on the main consoles. Like people have been clamoring for this for years. Um, and when Pokemon Go came out, it was kind of almost that, like the an, a Pokemon MMO RPG. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't write any of the Pokemon Go shit down. If you guys want to talk about what's going on this week, so okay, um, think, yeah. But yeah, Nintendo doesn't seem. They sometimes listen to their fan base, but they just have this really bad habit of like. Missing the mark just so, you know? Hey, we're getting Metroid, so <laughs> they, they can do whatever they want right now. Yeah, as long as that Metroid well, I mean, comes out. Yeah. The thing we have to keep in mind with Nintendo in particular is that North America is not their primary audience. Yeah. You know, like, really, they're catering to the Japanese market, and that's what they're going to build first. And then, you know, if we're lucky, we get, you know, some sort of catering to in the North American market. Yeah. They're giving us Metroid, boys. Yeah. Like that's a north that does not sell in Japan. It's a very north and it's a niche North American thing too. So oh, yeah. the fact that they're going back to that well is kind of nice. Um, but you're probably going to get that console, like actual console um, Pokemon this generation because it doesn't sound like there's going to be a successor to a the 3DS. Handheld. It feels like yeah. the Switch is going to be both going forward. So I think you're going to get that proper big build um, Pokemon finally. Yeah, they did announce that at the Nintendo Direct once they, because uh, there's a big uh, game announcement for Pokemon Sun, uh, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, the the kind of sequels to Sun and Moon, uh, and they said, "Don't worry, guys, the Pokemon Switch is going to come eventually when we finally get around to it." So they've got to have like I don't know how many teams they have at Nintendo. Like I'd have to do research on the way they <laughs> yeah. operate, but they're so secretive on top of everything else. But it's like yeah. they pump out like a game every. Like at least once a quarter, one of their big franchises puts a game out, whether it be something that we all play. Yeah. Like we talked about this in the podcast before, where like, like once a quarter, a, a big, a big quote unquote Nintendo game comes out, and it's like something. So they must have like eight or twelve teams working like around the clock getting these games out because a three or four year development cycle on a major console release at this point. Like, yeah. Well, every. Every game uh, series usually has a, a single director that is responsible for it. Um, Pokemon has is part of the Game Freak Inc., which is like a subsidiary of Nintendo. Um, so I think they Nintendo kind of operates like that, where they have like Miyamoto obviously has the Mario games and uh, kind of the Zelda too. Like he oversees yeah. that shit too, because he kind of poked in on the Prime series too, if I'm not mistaken. Like he was fairly active working with retro when they first bought or first started reworking with retro to build those prime games yeah so yeah but uh i think he's just their guru overall at this point so yeah i i think that the nintendo will they're they're getting there but i just think that the the weirdness of the classics being in such short supply i know that japan is a collector's market and they tend to be more like limited runs and selling out all the stock and stuff like that. But all that leads to is douchebags selling it on eBay. Prospecting. Yeah. They're yeah. still fucking going for like four. The NES classics still like they still pop up my eBay feed every once in a while and it's still like four or five hundred bucks for yeah. a unit. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. terrible. 
I've still got my fucking original NES, so fuck these. We we assholes. have an original NES, but I also I've have got two all, actually. I also have all seven hundred games on an emulator that is hooked mm-hmm. up to my rig. So right, I still have my favorite Super Nintendo games on Wii, like in the Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. Which, um, and uh, they announced that kind of like Netflix type service for classic Wii, games uh, on the yeah. Switch. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know who those classic system things are for, but not for me, for sure. Yeah, I, I like the idea of having that little mini Super Nintendo kind of thing, but I, I don't overwhelmingly care that I don't if I don't get one, I don't get one. Like like with the NES Classic, I didn't get one. And I was like, like I have all these games and like I can play yeah. it with a controller that's not going to like it's not half the size I need it to be and ergonomically fits my hand and. I can mm-hmm. add games you codes to on the fly and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not really super concerned about it. But mm-hmm. I just think at this point, like, it's diminishing returns. Like, this is, like, the NES and the Super NES, especially, were, like, the height of Nintendo. I figure after N64, like, that's going to be it, right? Like, they're not going to do a fucking GameCube classic because, like, well, like, who cares? Like, what was the install base on that? Plus, like, how do you store? Those were, like, I mean, they're not huge files, but mini DVDs. That's, like, 1.4 gigs, I think those things were. So that's still, mm-hmm. like, to install an SSD and everyone, that's going to start getting pricey, so... Yeah. Anyway, um, keep moving along here so we can get through this. Wait, let's before since we're already on Nintendo, I think Paul and I have to talk about Paul. I'm assuming you've seen the uh, that uh, Pokemon Go is going to be bringing in legendary Pokemon, legendary raids. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah, that was just this morning. So basically, there's going to be like these huge sort of community raids, uh, raid battles that you can join to uh uh beat and unlock the legendary pokemon like is it Lu- lugia uh lugia, lugia. um yeah. oh and, uh, and what is it zapros or something like that zapdos moltres articuno are the uh, yeah and yeah. the, those are the legendary birds um uh, entei suicune raiko for the legendary dogs uh lugia ho-oh and mewtwo um so right. This is something that they advert from the very beginning. They've been advertising this idea of legendary raids, and they're only now implementing it like, yeah. like one year out. But I'm glad they're doing it. I might actually. I know you guys are. I know you. You guys are pretty avid Pokemon goers. I don't know, Paul. Are you still playing like pretty regularly? I no. I I I fell off a little while ago because uh, the Korean release was so much later than North America mm-hmm. that by the yeah. time it happened, I was like, I was already playing um, Niantic's other game. Uh, the, Which the, Mar- the Mario one? Oh no! Uh, no, Ingress. Uh, Ingress, and I I kind of liked that, even though it it wasn't Pokemon. I enjoyed that game's interface a lot better. Um, and then I kind of got bored of Ingress, and then Pokemon Go just like none of the features that they were adding while it was evolving really caught my interest. So. Hmm. Yeah, because doing that big event in Chicago this week, right? Like that's this weekend, yeah. I believe. And apparently, like, people can sort of remotely participate in that, and how people do at that event in Chicago will sort of determine the bonuses that that basically the rest of the world gets for the next, like, few days and stuff like that. So <laughs> there's there's interesting stuff going on for sure. I'm still playing it pretty actively. Like, I at least open it once a day, and uh, there are a couple, you know, times a week that I'll play it, like, an hour longer uh, when I'm but going you and on Christy, runs and stuff I think like we, that. I think there, it's not an episode of Dance Robot Dance if you and Christy don't uh, go off on a little tangent about Pokemon Go. It's true. At some point, like you guys so, talk about it every week. Yeah, um, but yeah, a lot of stuff going on there, and I launched too, right? Like yeah. it's both, 
because like, it, it's been a well, it's almost a year, or is it a year no, now? No, it's it's uh it's just over a year now, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they're sort of just dropping stuff, and and they're doing it basically to keep people engaged and keep people on the app, sort of thing. Like they're dropping things like every two or three months or something like that. They're dropping like some new updates and new features and stuff like that. Cause they're like, Oh shit. Our user shit user base is dropping off. So we need to launch something new so that people will come back in and keep paying us money for the in-app purchases and stuff like that. Yeah. Fair enough. So, um, okay. You guys done talking about Pokemon go? Like can I tune back in now? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You got enough, enough other shit to get through. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so uh, Archer Season 9 will be called Danger Island, and it's going back to the pirate motif. Mm. There's no other details about it. They've changed their Facebook banner. The only thing that um, I can never remember, it's Adam Reed, the showrunner, has said mm-hmm. is that he is going to change it. He really regrets making it so that Mallory and uh, Sterling were strangers last season because he misses that Those um, back and forth. The dynamic that they have uh, yeah. as mother and son. So uh, nobody knows if he's going to wake up or anything like that. But they are full on getting ready for another season of Archer. So I'm in because it's my, one of my favorite shows. So it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I binge the fuck out of it and I'm all up to date now. And yeah, I'm definitely on board. Uh, oh, so we can do an Archer episode now? We can do an Archer episode. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that might be a Paul guest episode then. I, I think Paul she's I think she's up to like episode six or seven, but I don't think she watched uh the noir the last oh, season. Okay. Um but uh while we're on this, we're not gonna mention the Kingsman crossover. Uh, well, that's, I was just leading up to that. So because <laughs> uh Kingsman comes out I don't know when it comes out, in a couple weeks in August, I think. Yeah. Um there was an animated short that hit the net today that I think I shared on my Facebook. We'll have to share it on the um the Dance Robot Dance page that has uh fucks the kid's name. Eggsy. Eggsy, uh going kind of toe to toe, verbally at least, with uh <laughs> with Archer. And for the most part, not coming across that great. Um <laughs> until the end. When he does get to draw a dick on her. Yeah, he uh, gets to draw a knob on on Archer's face. Yeah, but that was that was that was pretty fucking funny. I was laughing my ass off. That's why I shared <laughs> I think I shared it with these guys immediately when I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was good. It doesn't. I don't think it was uh, what Taron Ed, Taron Edgerton or whatever his name is uh, that played Eggsy. I don't think it was his voice on it. At least it didn't sound like it. But uh, it was still. Well, he was barely, still really he good. barely said anything. They let fucking Archer do ninety percent of the talking in that. Like yeah, it's very one one word answers. He may have done it on his like might have done it over the phone or something like that. So yeah, it's hard to say. But no, I'm I'm all for it. Anytime I can get more Archer, I'm fucking in. Like I love that show. So yeah. Um, speaking of things that I'm in for, uh, we got a full Defenders trailer, like, literally seconds before I think we started recording. It kind of posted to the net. Did you guys, have you guys both watched it? No. I don't need to. Yeah, I just, uh, I heard that Stan Lee was narrating it, which was kind of cool, but uh, I haven't watched it yet either, so. Yeah, and then, uh, lots, so lots of Sigourney Weaver, lots of the team snarking at each other exactly what you want from this show like it looks like lots of ninja fighting Electra's back blah 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 there's a little Madame Gao dealing with Sigourney Weaver directly scene that like they show kind of like quick cut to so that Yay. her being back is kind of like be- makes me happy she's oh yeah I know they say Claire is the center hub of those shows but like 
Madam Gao is just that much more entertaining to me than anybody else on the shows. Yeah, yeah. I would say all she's that, a better anchor overall. Yeah, all all that um, what do you want to call it? Affable, elderly Asian lady snark. It yeah. always kind of works out really well. So, yeah, yeah. So that's very exciting. In in uh, related news, Iron Fist is officially getting a season two. That's good. I I'm glad they're giving a chance to sort of get things right and maybe yeah. uh, maybe sort of gel a little bit better in terms of you know more cohesive feel to the season and the character. Agreed. Yeah. Apparently the uh, the big the big thing is they're going to have Colleen Wing and um, Misty Knight work together in season two of Iron Fist. So like that. Daughters of the Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Daughters of the Dragon. So that's gonna <laughs> that that'll be a, a running theme I guess throughout. Season two of Iron Fist, which apparently has started production already. I don't know where they're at with most of these shows, but from what I, I guess, Luke Cage is, must be shooting right now. I think Jessica Jones is done shooting their next season already. God only knows when Daredevil starts because they. I need me. That's the one I need. I need more just solo Daredevil. Like I need season three of Daredevil to come like as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, but they've also like Punisher. They're probably gonna. I don't know, they, it might be posting right now, but we're recording this, so I can't tell. So you never know. There might be a Punisher trailer that's kind of coming up, because that's the <laughs> next one, right? Like, I don't know. That's... It's Mar- It's Marvel. They would have probably... I'm, I'm surprised that Marvel's releasing stuff after D23, basically. Well, SDCC is kind of like... They're still a comic book company. I, you know what I mean? Like, this is their... I know D23 is kind of home base now, but like this is yeah. still their bread and butter. Like, this is their... These are their people. Fair enough. So. But I mean, did you see that fucking, like... Uh, the, the Avengers, the, yeah, the the Infinity War like panel, like how many fucking people they had in that room? They had everybody there. Like, R- just yeah. having RDJ alone, that must be a booking nightmare. But like having the whole fucking cast yeah. show up. Did I, you guys know no Chris Evans? Yeah, like, I noticed pretty that much too. everybody else. Chris Evans is a busy man too, though. You know, so right. also vocally probably out after the Avengers movies like kind of wrap <laughs> up in this in this sequence. So I'm assuming we'll get it. Either a cap replacement or a cap recast in the not too distant future. Until he needs that paycheck again. Yeah, well, you never know. (laughs) (laughs) I still like they never they never brought back fucking uh, Hugo Weaving. Like they never brought back the Red Skull. I still want them to do a proper like bring back the Red Skull. And I feel like they do that without Chris Evans. That's just gonna be like yeah, it's kind of blows. But yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Did you read the uh, the write up like the description? Of like the teaser no, footage I don't, show again. I don't fucking need to. Like, I'm not even sure I'm gonna watch the trailer when they release it because, like, <laughs> I'm like, there's no point. Like, I'm gonna no, go see sure. it. Yeah. Like, so a lot of this shit, like, I've seen. Like, oh my god, did you see this new trailer? I'm like, no, I'm gonna go see it anyways. There's no point. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm so stoked. I just want to fucking watch the trailer. I read the description of me. It was like, yeah, I'm gonna have so much fun watching this. This yeah. sounds amazing. I did yeah. see the uh, the statues uh, that they released of uh, Thanos, Thanos and the Black Order, and they also had Josh Brolin there, like trying on the massive fucking Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. That all looked pretty fucking badass. Yeah, it all looks fucking great. Like everything they do for these movies, just like gets my gets me all fucking excited. So yeah. I'm good to go. Um, so in kind of com- we'll, we'll get into the movie stuff now a little bit. Um, Todd McFarlane is working with the production house that made um, Get Out and the Purge movies to make an R. So he's going to write and direct an R-rated Spawn movie. Hmm. And we already knew there was going to be a Spawn movie, but we didn't know like that it was going to be R-rated and that it was going to be uh, through these production houses and stuff. So, yeah. 
So it sounds like it's actually he's been talking about this shit for a fucking decade or more at this point. Like since that last movie came out, he's been like, I want to do another one. Like, yeah, we get it, Todd, but nobody cares about Spawn. So, but it's got to be better than the last movie. Oh fuck! Yeah. Oh my god. That's like honestly, I think that's one of those comic book movies. Like I've seen all of them once, but it's like the Ghost Rider movies where I'm like, I've seen it and I've seen them both, but I'm like, I never go back and rewatch it. I rewatched the Spawn movie like last year. Yeah, and the surprising. I mean, there are parts of it that hold up. Like John Leguizamo is amazing as Violator. John Leguizamo is amazing. All His the time. fucking <laughs> performance. Like, there's no nobody is ever going to top that performance as Violator. No. Like, he was spot fucking on. He's going to come back. He's still active. He was just oh, in yeah. John Wick. So yeah, but uh, yeah, that was both the only redeeming factor. Like the, yeah. the effects on that do not hold up at all. It was like 1995 yeah. shit CG. Like. Well, wow. I don't. I don't understand. Like uh, releasing. Okay, I do understand releasing a PG thirteen spawn because you want to sell action figures. I like. I it, it, that was the nineties mentality for this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but now boy craze. Yeah, and now that shit is done. And thank God we've got R rated superhero movies now, and they they need to exist because Spawn cannot survive. In that PG thirteen like bloodless violence bubble, like it's yeah. just th- like the like the HBO series that came out wasn't great either, but it was still much 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 better than the the live action movie by like a country mile. So yeah, do you see how how it was announced as well? It was announced with Kevin Smith on the IMDb boat. Yeah, yeah. I, I am, IMDb IMD boat. Yeah, he spends a lot of time. That's pretty much what he does at Comic Con now. Is just sits on the IMDb boat and like yeah. or IMD boats and, and smokes uh, up and smokes up and fucking chats with people. Like I'm sure he's probably he interviewed Stan Lee. I think today at some point because Stan was at uh, SDCC running around yeah. doing Stan Lee things because he also got um like his fucking feet and oh yeah he got a Chris. star he got a star on the on the Hollywood like yeah. Walk of Fame Hollywood Boulevard yeah yeah so that happened this week too. Um, and everybody showed up for that. So, mm-hmm. all right. So this is like the big news. So, like most of the DCEU stuff now. Like we'll have to get into this because there's a, there's a fucking ton to unpack in there. Mm-hmm. The first and biggest story seems to be that Affleck will not be returning as Batman. That's the it's a rumor. I it I know it's a rumor, but like we've been hearing this for months and months. Yeah. Like that he's not happy like being Batman. Fucking Dimple Chin doesn't want to be Batman anymore. Yeah. So. <laughs> He looks it. I it looks like by the time they get to because they've got so they've got four Batman movies planned for 2019 or f- sorry Bat family related movies for 2019. Nightwing, well, the, the Batman, uh, Gotham Sirens, which is Catwoman, uh, Harley Quinn, and I think Poison Ivy. Although I, I'm not sure if they actually use Poison Ivy. Yeah, depending on how they do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nightwing and Batgirl. So yeah. Batgirl obviously is the Joss Whedon movie, which everybody will be interested in. Um, and the Batman movies, the Matt Reeves one that they have now tossed out the script and maybe introducing a completely new Batman in yeah. if this is the way it's going to go. Um, I don't know the fuck. They're really leaning into this Batman stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of movies, man. Like they've got four movies planned for 2019 and that's just Bat family movies. Like they've also got like, Another Justice League at some point. Shazam is in there, which we'll talk about in a second. Like it is, but I mean, but that's what that's 
the comics that are selling right now, right? Like, there's fucking like at least seven or eight Bat Family books right now mm-hmm. in the there's always seven or eight Bat Family lineup. Books, yeah. yeah, so probably closer to ten or twelve. And so, I mean, it's not that surprising, you know. Bat Bat Mania is fucking overtaking the world right now. So, um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of Batfleck. I, I never really expected Affleck to be around for a long time. Like he just seems like that kind of guy that would not be that would get bored easily with it. I was just surprised he would sign up for it because he signed on. Like he's got a long term deal. Yeah, they must. They they're gonna have to. I mean, again, this is like one of those reports say yeah. quote unquote sort of thing. So whether it actually holds, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean. It, they they must have if they did buy out his contract they must have had to pay him a shitload or he just voluntarily was like nah I'm good I'm done yeah I don't want to yeah. do it anymore so I don't know like you you always hear those like you got to stay in pretty good fucking shape to wear that cape and cowl right like yeah. and he's not a young like he's not I mean he's not old but he's like Hugh Jackman was having a hard time he's keeping closing it on fifty so he's closing yeah. on fifty at this and he's an alcoholic too guys oh, he's he's awesome. a severe, serious drinking problem on top of it all so like there's the, the physical demands for this job are probably not for him like yeah, put him back to, behind the director's chair and see how that goes i'd say but you yeah. know i just i would really like to see one solo movie with him just one like yeah, agreed. yeah. agreed i'm with you well, i was that. i was in like i had no problem with batfleck one way or the other i was just like okay but then i started hearing all these rumors about him being not happy and was like why'd you sign the fuck up then? Like, you knew what this was going to be. Like, you knew what this was going to turn into. And it's like, they're ramping up pretty quickly here to do like a ton of movies. And you got to imagine they want him to show up and at least, I mean, he's going to, he'd be the headline of the Batman, but you're going to assume they're going to want Batman to at least kind of pop in here and there for like, mm-hmm. at least maybe probably Nightwing at the very least, if not Batman. Too, yeah. I don't know if you even have to touch Batman and Batgirl. I mean, you could do a cameo and, but she doesn't have to interact or anything. Yeah. Right. And there's also, the, so that's like four movies in one year. That's the Batman movie so far. <laughs> also, they have a Joker versus Harley movie, which animated. Tim seems to suspect. We, is it animated? Yeah, yeah. That one's an animated movie. I'm oh, okay. I, Thank God. That, I thought it was like a fucking movie movie. I don't I, think so. No, I think that one is Joker versus Harley. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that one's an animated. Okay. I don't need to see Jared Leto as Joker ever again. Well, I, maybe not. Maybe not. Warner Brothers developing a hard, Harley yeah, Quinn see, that's, Joker that's spin what No, I mean, I, I, I'd be down for it. Like, I much, and I think I said this on our Suicide Squad episode, is I much prefer a, uh, oh God, fucking autoplay videos. Um, oh, you want CBR or you want comicbook.com? Because they both just autoplay God all their damn bullshit. It. I much prefer a post Joker Harley Quinn. Uh, like I, I much prefer seeing her sort of in the, yeah, on her own, having outgrown the Joker, having realized that she's in a fucking abusive relationship and, uh, you know, having that, that background and that, that dimension of the character. So I, I would be interested in seeing like a Harley Quinn realizes the Joker is bad for her. And like, just fucking all out brawl between the two of them for a whole movie kind of thing. I think mm-hmm. it could be good. I, I like the idea in theory, but it's just, I, I was so taken aback by how bad Jared Leto's Joker was that like, <laughs> I don't like, th- this is kind of 
like maybe I'm like overreacting to how bad he was, but like their their scenes together were my least favorite scenes with her in them. I love Margot Robbie. I think she was very well cast as Harley. Um, mm-hmm. I really hated her costuming, but that's another thing. Um, but Jared Leto, top to bottom, I hated everything about his performance, his, his look, his everything was just bad. And like, if it's her kicking his ass the entire movie, I'll watch that for two hours straight. But <laughs> if it's, like, I don't know. I don't like. I don't want to see him ever have the upper hand on her ever again. <laughs> just ugh. I didn't hate Leto's Joker. It's not my favorite Joker, but it's definitely not my least favorite Joker either. I think we were. I think we were probably in the same ballpark when we did review Suicide Squad. We were all like, "Man, it's there, and that's fine." I don't remember what we actually said on the episode. I had to go back and listen to an old episode of our show and remember what I said. My opinion <laughs> was, I upon rewatching it, I was like, "Yeah, whatever. Like, it's there. He's doing something." Like. It's not a Joker that I care about. It doesn't hold a candle to Ledger any of the other Jokers. Animal. Well, it, it yeah, that's what I mean. Like compared to like Nicholson or Ledger or Hamill, like it's not even anywhere near the same fucking galaxy as those yeah. three performances. Like which are all vastly different in a lot of ways. Maybe not the Hamill Nicholson ones. Those got a little more parallel than differences mm-hmm. though but like mm-hmm. the ledger ones especially is just like especially that one is so fresh in everybody's mind and it's just like so like in the fucking whatever you want to call it zeitgeist still like he yeah. still gets quoted all the time like every time i look at a fucking comic book website and they start talking about comic book movies it's a picture of heath ledger as the joker it's like yeah yeah i think that's that's just not going anywhere for a long time you know what i mean so yeah. he was up against he was up against a big fucking mountain to fight so or to climb, yeah, absolutely yeah, and a lot of that was like the directing and the the concept and stuff like that. But and the, I, a lot of my hatred of that particular Joker comes from like all of the behind the scenes reports of how quote unquote method he was and how he was like really abusive to his cast members. And it's just sure, kind of like it sounds like a douchebag. I know. Yeah, like just this giant ass dating character on the set and was like giving people like terrible uh, gifts and shit like that and terrorizing the other cast members and yeah yeah no just yeah i i just want i'm really i'm so much more excited for gotham city sirens than i am for like a harley versus joker movie for sure Mm. that that's i just think gotham city like i just want that to be a chase movie you know what i mean i just want it to be those three girls getting chased by batman and nightwing for a movie like that's all i want out of that yeah that would be the best two hours these guys could possibly do. Like, yeah. for me, anyway. Like, that's exactly what I want. Just causing sexy havoc across Gotham. Yes, I'm down Absolutely. with that. And, like, beating up Batman and Nightwing as they try and catch them. Like, it sounds like <laughs> like it would be a total romp. I don't understand why it's not. And, like, my problem is I think David Ayer has gone from, like, he's not doing Suicide Squad 2. He's mm-hmm. shifted over to do that movie. Uh. So, like, uh, so direction-wise, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Uh. Um Suicide Squad 2 also lost its lead um, because Harley Quinn being involved with all these other movies, they won't have her in there. They're doing it again, and Killer Frost is going to be the lead in the next Suicide Squad movie. Killer Frost? That one yet? Jesus. Yeah, it popped up today while I was I was, I was was reading through stuff. It was specifically in the article about the Joker versus Harley Ugh. that they said they're going to have Killer Frost. 
Yeah, I can't see a Suicide Squad movie without Harley. I, I, don't, I don't think it works. I don't see how I don't. Yeah, I don't see how that works at all. She's the no. glue that fucking holds that team together in terms of sort of audience appeal. So, absolutely, <laughs> exactly. Like, there's nobody else. I mean, Will Smith's drawing power is not what it was, especially in this world where he's playing a secondary character. Like, I know they played up Deadshot like he's a big deal, but Deadshot's. I mean, in the pantheon of fucking comic book villains, like, who no, gives a shit about Deadshot? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm like, this is. I still feel like the DCU is kind of a mess. Like, they need to kind of sort their shit out. Like, they need that Kevin Feige guy, and I thought Jeff Johns was going to be him. But even he's got like we're gonna make a million movies itis going on. Yeah. I think I think Warner Brothers just has their dick so deep into that universe that yeah, they're having fun. trouble. Yeah, that they're having trouble uh, getting the movies made that they need to get made. Because they're also the the last little bit of news that I had written down for this is um, Dwayne Johnson, my the love of my life, The Rock um, <laughs> will not be. <laughs> Will not be in the Shazam movie, um, because instead of doing Black Adam in Shazam, they're going to do a solo Black Adam movie before they cross the two over in the next movie. So I think like, it's a bad idea. I agree. I completely fucking I think agree it's a with bad that. Bad fucking idea. I think it's a real bad fucking idea. Like I think if you're gonna do, granted, if they do a really good Shazam, like. Uh, Shazam movie with uh, Savannah or Mr. Mind as the villain. I'm yeah. in. Yeah, but those are going to be real hard characters to pull off in a live action movie. Shazam, like on its own, the DC Captain Marvel is going to be a hard fucking sell. Yeah, the big cheese, like yeah. basically the most like campy character that yeah. DC has, is going to be really hard to pull off in a live action movie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Black Adam is clearly his most compelling villain. Uh, and like that sale, it sells itself having the rock in his first villainous role in God only knows how long too, right? Like mm-hmm. finally does the biggest name in box office draw in the last couple years, finally throws his fucking hat in the comic book ring, like finally does it. Yeah. And it's like, he's going to be in Captain Marvel and like, it's such an easy sell, but yeah. no, we're going to spin it off. Like, but I, I get wanting him to headline, but it's still yeah. like, fuck. I have. Strangely, I have confidence in a solo Black Adam movie more than I have confidence in a Shazam movie without Black Adam. I yeah, yeah I could see that. that also, too. on top of the fact that like the movie will do well based solely on the fact that the rocks in it, like yeah, because you'll go, because you'll go see it like thirty times. Fucking right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that Shazam as a character is a little bit too what, what's the term vanilla mayo to be well, like can't be like it's yeah. goofy. it's a I, I, concept. And it, it, like, it's it so, fits. It fits more into the Flareoverse than it does into the DC EU. Yeah, well, yeah. I think if you're looking at like the Supergirl side of the Flareoverse, then yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, even the really. Flash side. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. kind of what I, I. I always kind of Arrow gets to be separated a little bit for me, yeah. even though it is a little bit campier than it was when it started. When it started, it was pretty fucking gritty, and now <laughs> the shows are a little bit more like big rompy kind of hour long fun kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I mean, Arrow is a little bit more of that now than it was, but yeah, I think he, you're. I think you're right. I think he would fit in really well, like on the Legends of Tomorrow team or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because he, he had a good dynamic in Justice Society, where he yeah. was part of that team, and then they yeah, add yeah. fucking Black Adam to it. But like, yeah. Yank, like the Rock wants to play Black Adam really bad, and you're not getting the Rock to show up on network TV for mm-hmm. any length of time. I can pretty much guarantee you that. So, 
man's making $25 million like a picture for a reason. So, <laughs> yeah. And the DCEU is just not really fun. Like, um, no. Suicide Squad tried to be fun and it kind of didn't work. Wonder Woman was way more fun than the other movies yeah. for sure. So, like, it's pretty again, fucking dark though. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's World War One still, you know, like the Great War. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I don't see like a campy, especially if they're going with like the the little kid transforming into. Uh, who do they get? Who do they cast? Who do they cast as Captain Marvel? Like, uh, they, consider this oh, man has to stand toe to toe with the Great One. Yeah, they did. They did announce who the uh, who is cast as Shazam. Uh, Shazam cast. Um, God damn it, that's not useful. That's just. That's just Dwayne Johnson. God damn it. <laughs> See, he's Captain, everywhere. Captain Marvel. He wants you to DC, love him. DC cast. I thought that they had announced who it was that was supposed to be playing him. But... Either way, motherfucker better be a giant because he's got to stand toe to toe with The Rock at some point, and it's going to be yeah. a weird look otherwise. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't find it. Fuck. Whatever. Because he even dwarf like he he would dwarf any of the guys they have in any of their superhero roles at this point. Like even yeah. had him stand toe to toe with Henry Cavill, who's a pretty big guy. The Rock's a fucking monster, so mm-hmm. it's gonna look weird. So yeah, yeah but... either way. All right, I got through that laundry list of fucking news, and it only took us fifty five, well, fifty three minutes to get through that. Do you guys have anything else? Did I miss anything while we were? I've got some things, but we can we can burn through them because I mean this is the week of like D twenty three and San Diego Comic Con, so. and we're not even hitting all of SDCC. There's still no. like three days of this shit to go, right? Because it's yeah. Friday now. Like we're recording on Friday, so yeah. by the time you guys hear this, we'll have missed at least a day, and then there's the rest of the weekend. So yeah, I'm gonna burn through really quick the stuff, all of the stuff that sort of got like first looks or like new footage at uh, SDCC. Uh, one was uh, the sci-fi Krypton series got some new footage that has apparently been getting some decent buzz. Yeah, I, I saw the uh, the headline was upgraded from boo to meh. So I'm no, like, that was in right. humans. Oh right, sorry, that was in humans. Right, which is also on my list. And humans also got sort of upgraded from boo to meh. So the Inhumans footage that got shown at SDCC was more impressive than what we'd seen previously, but still not still super like impressive. Shit. Still looks cheap. Like, yeah. still looks, like the costumes look bad. Um, Pacific Rim 2 got uh, a little bit, uh, got its sort of first look and sort of a teaser trailer. I haven't even seen the first Pacific Rim, so I have nothing to I didn't to mind the first Pacific Rim. I just, like, it wasn't something that I was like, yes, let's build a franchise around this. It was like, yeah. this is a fun movie for me to watch mm-hmm. on Netflix on an afternoon where I have a hangover. But yeah, I'm not like, I need to see fucking 14 of these movies. Like I agree. Kai- Kaiju is not a big thing for me. Um, it's sort I of a thing some that... Godzilla though. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I'm not real big into like Godzilla or King Kong or anything. Like I'll go see them if they're good. Otherwise I'll just let them go. Um, well, the last Godzilla was good. And you never saw that. If I'm no, I still mistaken. haven't, still haven't seen that. Should watch it. Uh, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's new movie, the shape of water got a trailer which is quite fucking clearly the Abe Sapien movie that he really wanted to make yes. and never got yeah. to make. And is probably the reason that he had a follow with Mignola over Hellboy. Yeah. And the reason that he's no longer doing Hellboy movie, Hellboy movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta rewatch that trailer. I was lo- looking at, for, I was reading something and watching it at the same time, but I'll yeah. have to go back to it. 
Um, I'll watch whatever Del Toro does. He's got my fucking money. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we got a whole bunch of Last Jedi new like behind the scenes footage from D twenty three. I haven't watched it because again Spoilers. I'm just on fucking board and yeah. there's no point. But uh, it has revealed a whole lot of sort of new things for that movie. Yeah, we already talked a little bit about Infinity War. There's a new teaser and new footage, although they haven't actually released it publicly. They only showed it at D23. And then we got to see, like, who's actually making up Thanos' Black Order. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. It's going to be a nice big fight, too. Like, everybody in the MCU, I'm fucking excited for that shit. So. Yeah. Um, Wreck-It Ralph 2 got announced and got a title, which is Ralph Breaks the Internet. And uh, that <laughs> looks pretty pretty interesting uh there's apparently a scene with like basically every living disney princess or at least all of the like actresses that are still alive that played disney princesses all oh, together really? yeah and it sounded pretty interesting mm-hmm. um it's basically vanellope uh sarah silverman's character going in and uh influencing all of them and having a, a scene with all of them and again that was another one where they just showed the footage but they haven't released it so mm-hmm. we've only seen like descriptions of the footage Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a first look sort of uh, at uh, Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. Which uh, I haven't read the book, but I've heard amazing things about it. So that one I'm pretty on board for. I mean, that is just going to be absolute fucking nostalgia for our youths. Yeah. Uh, there was a Wrinkle in Time trailer, the Ava DuVernay book that uh, Oprah is starring in the movie for. Yeah. It got, I saw a lot of... Lot of uh, people pumped about that i'm really pumped for that i really love wrinkle in time so good really good book series really fast read for like some light sci-fi if you guys are interested. like it'll you you could read it all in a weekend kind of thing yeah oh, okay i've never read any of them so i'll have to go take a look no i i have no information no knowledge about those whatsoever um i have heard good things but <laughs> Uh, the Incredibles 2 got its first sort of uh, announcement and trailer, and uh, apparently it's uh, basically picking up, like, literally right after the first Incredibles movie finishes. Yeah. Um, we got another trailer for Blade Runner 2049, which I haven't watched again because there's no fucking point. I'm on board. <laughs> yep. Um, and there is apparently a super fucking acid-fueled uh, Rick and Morty trailer that has come out uh, in the last, like, uh, day or two. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's uh, that's another show I gotta start burning through because. Oh shit! Yeah, you God need to it. watch that. Yeah, I, know, I sure. only started watching it like in the last, like maybe six months or so ago. But yeah, it's fucking amazing. Everything's sitting on my hard drive ready to go. I just gotta like bunker yeah. down and start watching TV. I guess so. I got Doctor that one. Who, yeah, Twin that Peaks one. Is... That one, like just the referential humor in it, is just yeah. is worth it. Well, Stan Harmon. So like, I know I'm yeah. gonna love it. I just I gotta sit down and like. When I watched the first episode, I was just like not in the mood for his like shtick. And it's so mile a minute that I was like, oh, wait, I got to actually sit down and watch this the first time. Like, it's like community where you like you're not paying attention to it the first time. You're like, fuck, I have no idea what the hell's going on. because Everything's just all over the place. So I need to like, yeah, concentrate. That's a, yeah. that's a series I throw on and rewatch a lot now since the second season is finished. It's just like, yeah, every episode is pretty much gold. So, yeah, own way. yeah I'll get in there at some point. So, yeah. Um, Mark, did you hear, or both of you guys, do you hear that uh, Noah Hawley, the showrunner for Legion, is making a Doctor Doom movie? Oh. For Fox? Uh, yeah, for developing for Fox. Fuck. 
They're really trying to hold on to that fucking Fantastic Four franchise. They just want Doom. I just want Doom in the MCU. I don't even give a shit about the Fantastic Four. I want Doom in the MCU. <laughs> like, fuck Fox. Like, Disney's got go. all the money. Let why, that does, why won't Disney just pay them out? Like, I don't understand. Just be like, here's five Especially billion Especially for Fantastic Four, because they've just destroyed that franchise. Well, that franchise is yeah. fucked. They'll never be yeah. able to make another. They made three of those movies. Not a damn one of those things is rewatchable. No, it's a pretty sad state of affairs. Like it's, they should at least be. I don't want to say good, but they should at least be watchable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it can't be that hard to make a watchable fucking movie. But yeah, Whew, three fucking <laughs> times they failed. Seriously, yeah. I mean, the the second they cast fucking Jessica Alba as Sue Storm was just failure. Yeah. Oh. And um, then they, when they recast it, like I don't even like I like the actress who played her in. Uh, Van Fortistic, whatever the fucking oh, yeah. Yeah. Kate Mara was the yeah Kate Mara who's awesome, but like she was mm. fucking terrible in the movie. Like <laughs> everyone was terrible in the movie because the movie was terrible. It was like foundationally <laughs> just poison. Foundationally flawed. And of course, yeah. and of course, leave it to Marvel to give uh give uh a- another failed Fantastic Four Human Torch a home in the MCU, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like they can, they should just keep doing. It. Fox keeps casting these guys. Marvel just scoops up. Come, come to the fold, children. Yeah, come, come, come to the come. Well, that's what like you Hugh Jackman. To us now. That's what like Hugh Jackman was saying. He was like, whenever they did, when they were doing all the stuff for Logan, he was like, I want to. I'll only come back and do this, like do Wolverine, if I'm going to be in an Avengers movie. Like he wants to play on the A team. Like he's playing for the B squad. Yeah, and he wants to go play with the A team now. Yeah, and. Yeah. This at this point, Fox just Disney should just buy the fucking rights back. That's my opinion. They've got all the money in the goddamn world. Like they have Star Wars and Marvel and Pixar and Disney shit. Pay Fox out. Get me my goddamn X Men rights back. <laughs> yeah. Bring them back home to the MCU. We got Spidey back. We need the X Men back, and then we're good. Like that's it. Yeah. All right, Paul. I pulled this one specifically because I have a feeling that you're a Kingdom Hearts guy. I certainly am. So Kingdom Hearts 3 got announced mm-hmm. and was coming in 2018, and apparently there is an entire Toy Story world in it. Uh, yes, it's going to be so good. So uh, when uh, Sora, the main character, and Donald Duck and Goofy travel to these different worlds, their bodies and costumes like match the characters that they belong to. Change into the world, yeah, yeah. that they're entering. Yeah, so uh, the Toy Story look is something that I'm really excited about because they showed that in pretty great detail. And mm-hmm. like having those characters as like living toys is pretty awesome. But, Action figures, basically. Yeah. Um, but what excites me even more is that there's two other worlds were announced. One of them being uh, Mount Olympus, and Hercules has ah. been. And that's been part of the Kingdom Hearts universe since the beginning, but it's never been a full level. It's only ever been the Colosseum where they have like these instance boss battles, and. Mm. Uh, the other one that they announced is Tangled. Um, and the reason that excites me is that Tangled's art style was based on a lot of Rococo art paintings. So I'm really excited to see how that world is going to look with the PS4 engine. Because I think they could do something really cool with like the kind of impressionistic Rococo vibe that's going on there. Um, and just Kingdom Hearts in general. This is the They've had so many interstitial sequels 
for fucking years. 2.5 and 2.8 and, and 1.5. Yeah, yeah, Dream Drop Distance and uh, Birth yeah. by Sleep and, like, literally six different games. And this is the... Finally, we've gotten to three. Like, uh, it's got, yeah. it was getting to, like, Half-Life levels of, like, we can't count to three. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. Uh, Half-Life will never count to three, and that uh, makes me... Well, it's like, there was, like, yeah. the old joke about, uh, like, Street Fighter 2 for the longest time <laughs> until they finally released three, and it was yeah. yeah. not... It's a good game, but it was not popular. No, <laughs> but yeah, I'm really excited for Kingdom Hearts. So, it's gonna be good. Yeah. Looks awesome. That that's one that's on my list to play because I am a big Disney fan. I'm not a big Final Fantasy guy, but it seems more Disney than it is Final Fantasy. So I would say that stylistically, it's more uh, like the the way that it looks is more Disney, but the storytelling is very Final Fantasy. It's oh. very Japanese storytelling yeah. style, right? Like, very Japanese storytelling, which is so weird considering it's like a Marvel, like a Marvel. Fuck, my brain is just like completely stuck yeah. there. It's all the same thing now. It's all the same shit. It's <laughs> so like it's it's weird seeing because I've watched Paul play the games, and it's so weird having this like Final Fantasy style Japanese story with Disney characters in it because Disney's such an American thing. Yeah, like the it's such a weird. But is super popular in Japan. Oh, yeah. it's massively popular. Yeah. yeah, that's part of my game. And these King of games are though. fucking craziness too. Like people love this shit. It's like a religion almost. Yeah, so. yeah. The, the fandom around Kingdom Hearts is really intense. Lots of lot, just lots of fans in general. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, then last, I'm going to burn through a few uh, Disney Parks nerdy news. So I posted this on our Facebook page, but. Uh, there is going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, ride coming to Epcot Center in place of Ellen's Energy Adventure. Wasn't that... Wait, didn't they just replace the Tower of Terror or some shit with a Guardians thing? At California. Oh, at, okay. At California Sorry, Adventure, yeah. yes. Disney fucking park dumb, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the Holly, uh, Hollywood Tower of Terror at uh, California Adventure just became a Disney... Or a, uh, a Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy... Uh, like a sort of basically jail breakout kind of ride. Okay. Um, but yeah, now there's apparently going to be an East Coast uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride as well. I have no fucking idea how they worked out the Marvel theme park rights issues on the East Coast because apparently Uni- uh, Universal was supposed to have exclusive rights to those because they have like their like uh, Marvel Islands of Adventure at Universal Studios. Yeah, it's also the, that 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 rights tie up is also part of the reason why you'll never get a solo Hulk movie because the uh, yeah that that's still tied up with Universal. Like they're allowed to use them as a side character, but they can't do a headlining movie without universal's blessing or something like that so yeah something like that um so yeah i mean it's also that's coming from mark ruffalo who probably isn't an expert on the fucking rights issues maybe not yeah it's true but, <laughs> um but uh yeah so there's that is coming to epcot apparently epcot is also getting a uh, ratatouille ride uh which is basically a clone of a ride from disneyland paris never uh, seen it which is supposed to be a really cool ride. It's a good movie. I like it. And also, um, uh, I think uh, Tomorrowland is also getting a Tron ride, which is a clone of a ride from, I'm not sure if it's Shanghai or Hong Kong Disneyland, one of the two. But Wait, there's, uh, there's a Shanghai and a Hong Kong Disneyland? Yeah. Hong Kong opened a couple a few years ago, and Shanghai is like brand new. It just opened like less than a year ago, I think. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a Tron like light cycle ride, uh, light cycle like coaster 
that's supposed to be coming to uh, uh, Disney World now. Um, Disney California Adventure is supposed to be getting an immersive superhero universe, which is basically going to be a Marvel sort of section of the park, it sounds like. That's something that... Finally get me to go down to Florida and fucking do one of these parks, goddammit. California Adventure would be in California, Mark. Right. (laughs) It's really fucking late, guys. I've been up since (laughs) 7. You agreed to having this, to recording this late. Well, Um, I like the three-person dynamic on the podcast, and (laughs) Princess Paul over here had to, like... (laughs) <laughs> have a thing first thing in the mornings. It's almost as bad as dealing with Christy. So I had to go get some exercise. I went on that color run. It was fun though. I just washed off all of that like colored powder out of my beard and stuff right before we started. So should have left it in. It would have been fun to watch. Her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it would have been great, great visual gags for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that one's going to be probably way off in the future, but does sound pretty. Uh, interesting (laughs) and uh we also which is probably the most exciting for me they unveiled at d23 a massive uh detailed model of the galaxy's edge like star wars land uh for disney world so that looks fucking amazing like the level of detail and stuff in that model is uh is pretty intense so Mm, do you guys yeah i Actually, the, um, I'm going to Tokyo Disney Sea. Um, what in a week and a half? Um, Did you get so, that ticket finally? Um, actually, that's awesome. You can buy uh, tickets at the park when it's on a weekday. So uh, yeah. um, I'm going. Yeah, no, I ju- I just decided to plan this for my Tokyo trip, um, which is going to be yeah in about two weeks. And uh, so this is all finally relevant to me because this is going to be my first. Disney uh, park experience. Really? Yeah, I've never yeah. been to any of them. Our family's never done that trip, right? So I've like, heard maybe... I've heard awesome things about Tokyo Disney Sea. I mean it's it's a a very unique park in terms of the Disney parks, but apparently some of the rides and the theming and stuff is just really like top notch. Yeah, that's why I chose to go to there instead of Tokyo Disneyland, because I heard that the Disneylands are a lot more similar across the board and Disney Sea yeah. is kind of a unique experience so when i go back to north america i'm gonna do walt disney world and uh yeah, yeah. but this like disney sea it looks pretty fucking cool so i'm really excited yeah. about it. yeah i am i'm super jealous that's like definitely on my bucket list is to do like all of the international disney park mm-hmm. i've only done the u.s one so far uh i'm one one day i'll get to do those too as soon as i get back <laughs> as soon as i get back to north america that's like up there on my bucket list all right. Um, besides all that, the only other thing that I had, uh, which I think is a fun one to end on, do you guys see this uh, like little kitty like land speeder, uh, like basically power wheels? Yeah, I saw John Barrowman riding on one or something. Like that. <laughs> oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. That 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 enheartens me because uh, I did see. I've seen like so many adults being like. I hope that this will fit my fat ass <laughs> so that I can ride it around because I totally want one. It's yeah. uh, apparently made by Radio Flyer, the people that make the uh, oh, wagon. Good. Um, I was actually yeah. going to ask. Uh, I, I I had noted that earlier in the week when I first saw it, but was like, I got to ask Tim about that. I was going to bring it up on the podcast, but I was like, so are you going to buy this one and say it's like in preparation for the kid you're never going to have? <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll just, uh, you know, we'll just put it in the garage and I'll, take it out on weekends yeah just ride around just 
bomb yeah. around. All right. <laughs> All right. So we are an hour and 11 minutes into this All podcast right. and we're just through the fucking... To be fair, I thought it was going to take us longer to get through all the we all the news. Yeah, we 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 blazed through some shit pretty quick. Yeah. So, all right, let's uh, let's quickly do geek of the week, and then we'll move on to the episode. <laughs> Wait, Paul, Paul, since you're not on very often, can, would you like the honor of doing the geek of the week sting? Sure, geek of the week. Geek of the week. All right, Tim, I have to do the squeaky Christy version at the end there. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Tradition. All right. All right. Well, uh, yeah. So, Paul, you're not on super often. What was the geekiest thing you did this week? I, in preparation for my Tokyo trip, I bought some tickets for uh, the Final Fantasy XIV Eorzea Cafe uh, in Japan's geek district of Akihabara. Uh, so, I've also uh, started playing Final Fantasy XIV again. Uh, they just released a new expansion called Stormblood. Uh, and it's really fucking good. It's all like. Uh, eastern asian themed whereas the previous worlds were more western themed so uh i'm just like living my final fantasy fantasy as it is <laughs> you know L- living that life 14's the 14's the online one right that's like, right that, that, that was the replacement for 11 i guess yeah absolutely and most people know final fantasy 14 as like the failed launch final fantasy yeah it was a massive botch of a launch i remember that. yeah and and now and now among like uh mmo players it's kind of known as um world of warcraft so finely tuned that it's like perfectly polished um it's really uh-huh. fun to play it's very fluid the storylines are amazing um and the the various class systems are a lot of fun to pick up and play so um i've really been enjoying getting back into that world because i took a really long break at the end of uh the second the first expansion which was heaven's ward um and stormblood is even better than that so i'm pretty happy about it i'm so out of the loop on the final fantasy thing not having you like in my direct constant fucking sphere of contact. <laughs> yeah you were the one who kept me up to date on that shit and i was now i'm like i don't have to hear about any of this stuff so i just don't, don't anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've never played a single Final Fantasy game. Uh, and I have no interest in doing so. If I did, it would be Kingdom Hearts. I think yeah. I played for like four hours of Final Fantasy VII. I was like, this shit is not for me. So I just <laughs> moved on from there. So, it was- but, uh, so, so what does a fucking like uh, Final Fantasy cafe entail? Well, it's a really like it's theme decorated based on one of the areas of Final Fantasy XIV. It's called uh, the Carline Canopy. Um, and it's like a, an ex- almost exact replica of how it looks inside the carline canopy. Um, and they have themed drinks and costumes and uh, lots of like Final Fantasy collectibles and statuettes. And the menu there is all themed based on Final Fantasy things that you can drink, like potions and ethers and like nice. Phoenix Downs. So it's like, uh, it's definitely super nerdy. It was only like, uh, 13 bucks for the ticket and then you you have to pay for your food there too um but it's gonna be fun for an afternoon and then because it's right in that geek district of tokyo so after that i'm gonna just go and fucking go nuts with all of my anime figurine purchasing and shit like that so it's gonna be great is it licensed or is it uh bootleg fully licensed fully licensed yeah and i think that there is some like uh 
benefits to visiting the cafe in game, but I'd have to double check on that. Like there's something yeah, like, like titles or stuff like that, or like a, a code for an item or something like that. Pro- probably one of those uh, gear pieces that is only for show to yeah. yeah but that I'd probably wear that around town while I'm you know doing my questing or whatever. Yeah, in game. So <laughs> yeah, that's my geek of the week. Awesome, <laughs> Tim. Uh, I had a pretty fucking geeky week. I did, uh, I went and did see War of the Planet of the Apes, which I greatly enjoyed. Uh, it was a lot more emotional than I thought it was going to be. I also got a smartwatch, uh, which I sort of rewarded myself for, for some successes at work. Uh, but the biggest, my biggest geek of this week was, uh, I finally sat down and got 100% caught up on the DC animated movies. Oh, um, okay. So I finally watched Killing Joke. I watched Justice League Dark, and I watched Justice League versus Teen Titans, uh, and one or two I others. See, I haven't well. seen the Teen Titans one yet. Actually, I got to watch that. Yeah. So, um, Killing Joke, I was actually really happy with overall. I mean, yes, the sort of romance was a little shoehorned in, um, but it didn't feel a hundred percent unnatural. Uh, it, it sort of worked, um, but uh, I mean, in it was fucking beautiful watching like Conroy and Hamill face off. I like do that and doing that. That story especially was something I was like, yeah. If, if I I if I disown that 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 beginning where they have that weird affair, like that was not to my taste at all. It is. I mean, I I think we talked about it before, where like that is something that has happened in certain continuities and like yeah, there is the yeah, big Bruce. Like, Bruce precedent. Tim loves that fucking like that part of the story, right? Like loves playing that that's, angle. That's his ship. Yeah, that's his ship. His o- his op. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, like I don't, I I didn't, I didn't hate having Conroy and, um, Hamill do that story. Like, oh no, it was great. Yeah. So, and like Hamill, Hamill really got to play up the, uh, the sinister side of his Joker in that play too. So like, it was pretty good. What did you think of Justice League Dark? Uh, it was interesting. It was... (laughs) It was pretty good. I, I wouldn't say it was one of my favorite of the DC animated movies, but it was a pretty good representation of that sort of iteration of the team, basically you know, from adapted from the comics. Um, yeah, it's not one that I think I would go back and watch really regularly, but it was it was a valiant effort. Yeah, I still like. Um, oh God, I'm gonna botch. Is it Matt Ryan? Is that the guy? Yeah. Yeah, who did Constantine? That, like, I love that guy as Constantine, and yeah. I still wish that. I like that's like my comic book show Firefly. Like, I really wish that show had gotten treated properly and like had yeah. to come back and do something properly, or yeah. had been put on a cable network or a fucking streaming service where they could have done the stories actual justice as opposed to broadcast. Maybe at some point they will, but they won't have Matt Ryan do it, unfortunately. Yeah, um, and it was nice to have the the villains that they had, the three demons. Um, Abnegazar, I can't remember all their names. Yeah, I can't remember uh, the names. Ra- I think it's like Abnegazar, Wrath, and Gast or something like that. Yeah. Uh, those, oh shit, I just looked it up. I totally nailed that. Fuck yeah. Um, those, those are those are like classic Justice League villains. Like they've been around since like the early 60s. So it was nice that they used them as villains. And they have they are villains that do pretty commonly recur in the DC universe. So well, they show uh, up in like Shazam a lot too, don't they? Like I'm, yeah. I seem to remember them kind of being present in like some of the, uh, I always want to call them Captain Marvel still, but I know they don't yeah. do that anymore. There's like the Shazam. Shazam quote unquote. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, they're they're generally referred to as the Demons Three, but they are like classic DC villains. So it was nice to see them using those uh, as sort of the major villains for the show or for that movie. I like there's Zatanna too in that in that movie. Yep. So I always yeah. like that character. They don't use her nearly enough. Um, They're getting and, back into it. Like she doesn't have her own series right now, but uh, hard she, sell for, for an ongoing. But. Yeah, exactly. Because mainly because she doesn't really have a lot of like com- really compelling villains. No. So, but yeah, that was mine. That was my geek of the week. Was the DC animated movies? Uh, okay. My Geek of the Week, I'm trying to think, because I've done a bunch of, I've been doing a bunch of different things. Um, I got back into Horizon Zero Dawn this week, um, after having kind of put it down for a couple weeks. That game is, it's going to eat up some time. I need to kind of set aside, like, a weekend or something like that and really get into it. But, like, the big thing was, I, for years and years, I've been, like, I suck at playing guitar, and every time I try, I just, like, put it down. But I finally, like, I've signed up for lessons, and I bought myself a guitar, I'm like nice. dedicated to the cause now. I'm gonna go and like at least be able to play three chords. Acoustic or electric? I just bought like the acoustics behind me. I just want to learn on the acoustic, and then so like I've got actually when I bought it, they gave me like six months worth of free online lessons, so I can fiddle around with that kind of stuff mm-hmm. too. And I've signed up at one of the Long and McQuaid's uh, in Mississauga to go and actually do like a less lessons for a month just to kind of get the basics down with somebody sitting there who can guide me through the early frustrations because i just i'm not good with that like yeah chords and shit like that so it's something i've wanted to do for like years and years and years and i just never have or just whenever i've tried i'm like my patience gets worn too thin because i it sounds weird but like i kind of sat down behind a drum kit and was like i felt at home and was like kind of fell into it very naturally because it's something i can learn by ear and just like figure out the technique and play Mm -hmm. whereas this is more like i have to learn theory as a base to kind of like get into yeah. it and it's a little bit trickier than just like i'm just gonna sit here and tinker and like till i can keep a beat or whatever so whereas now you actually have to pay attention to actual notes yeah i have to like listen to notes and stuff like that which is totally like <laughs> and be in key and shit like that yeah exactly so it's a totally different like part of my brain to like try and build up so yeah that's been like me kind of tinkering with that this week probably the most where i've been sitting if I'm not, if I'm working at home, sitting in this chair, not maybe working as hard as I could be, and fiddling with the stupid online lessons, and trying yeah. to figure out how to play some Pearl Jam or something like that. So, nice. I don't know. There's something to do. There's something to do. All right. So an hour and twenty minutes in. <laughs> it's gonna be a long one, folks. It's a long fucking episode. Buckle All right. in if you haven't already. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're at the end of the episode, boys. Episode All right. Um, so we're we're kind of doing a redux here of I uh, <laughs> what of there's I'm trying to think how many lost episodes Dance Robot Dance has. It's not as many as you would say. Like two or three, maybe. There's like two or three lost episodes where like technical snafus or Tim and I being rampagingly drunk and racist had kind of put the fucking <laughs> guy posh on an episode being released. Right. <laughs> Let's uh, let's move on from that one. Yeah, um, it's Christy that's racist, not us. Yeah, it's Christy that's racist. She's the one who does it on the podcast that we release anyway. So <laughs> that's the nice part of Mark being the one that actually. Edits. <laughs> yeah, when I say something, it's supposed to be I can cut my shit out. <laughs> You're both dog shit. You're both yeah. dog shit. You're the. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I should send you that episode. I still have it. Like, oh. I, it's still I, do you really think you want me to hear that? 
<laughs> no, it's just us. It's literally just us trying to read some of the, like we were reading through pronounce the, some of the names trying to pronounce some of the names of the people Facebook. who were following us like on Facebook that were not from North America. Very obvious. Yeah, like <laughs> like like East 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 Asian and and like uh, yeah. yeah and stuff like that. And like, I think some yeah. accents came out and stuff too, which were super <laughs> inappropriate. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, we can't put this episode. out. <laughs> <laughs> the world doesn't help the world. I'm sure. <laughs> Doesn't but anyways, anyway, um, so yeah, one of the other lost episodes, anyway, um, that we replaced with our Logan review, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, Tim and I got together uh, another episode where Christy had uh, absconded up. for the yeah, fucked off. I guess okay, that's a nice. <laughs> I was fucked up, whatever. Yeah, whatever. From that week, um, we wanted to talk about, because Christy really loves doing the uh, music episodes, we decided we were going to sit down and talk about some artists we thought needed a little bit more love and some of our favorite, maybe obscure or underappreciated artists. So, um, because Paul's also in the record nerd kind of sphere, we thought we, we thought with this week would be the I- ideal time to kind of get back into it and kind of quasi re-record that monstrosity of an episode that was also two and a half hours long. So. Yeah. For a two fucking person episode, yeah, so. for a two person episode, we went fucking deep that night. Um, yeah. We went to keep it down to not five, but two or three, so this episode is not a three hour <laughs> fucking uh, edit monster. So, um, but yeah, so we're gonna kind of run through some of our favorite, uh, maybe not so uh, well known or maybe need a little bit more attention kind of artists. Um, we'll start. We'll bring our guest in and uh, have him start because I'm sure this will be something that neither Tim or I have heard of. So, <laughs> okay, this will be new. Okay, well, uh, as you know from my, you know, top albums uh, session on this podcast, I really love Joanna Newsom, and uh, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> don't don't worry, and we're not talking about her. I'm just mentioning her because you, in what, theory you could though, because I mean, I, but not the most mainstream I, person I, I, on the planet. I'm I'm not inviting that today. You know, I'm not getting this. <laughs> you know what? You know You don't want to bring that energy into your life. No, though? not right now. But right. Um, I am very. I was always very interested in what her influences were, and she's very uh, upfront about that. Um, generally speaking, she's like Van Dyke Parks and Randy Newman have been two of uh, of the influences that she has cited um both super respectable yeah, van dyke yeah. parks for those of our listeners that don't know is a common collaborator of brian wilson and uh responsible for most of the lyrics on pet sounds and also smile yep and randy newman you've got a friend in me from toy story yeah. um yep. but she like on the female side of her influences a lot of people uh cite kate bush and bjork but the ones that she cites tend to be more from the folksy americana side of uh the 60s and 70s female singer songwriter stuff um joni mitchell being one of them but everyone fucking knows joni mitchell um there, there are three in particular that i found really interesting um judy collins karen dalton and the one that i want to talk about who is vashti bunyan because she has a very interesting story um back in i think 1971 she released a single album called Just Another Diamond Day. Um, And it's this kind of weird cult uh, album that was very popular in its day and has weird resurgences every decade or so. Um, But after she released this, she disappeared from the musical landscape for something like 35 years. And then when the freak folk movement, which like 
Joanna Newsom, Animal Collective, Devendra Banhart were all kind of a part of, started to surge again. Um, Vashti Bunyan just kind of reappeared out of nowhere 35 years later and released another album called Look Aftering. And both of these albums are the kind of folk that, you know, when you think of like wandering around the Shire, Flower Crowns, Guinevere <laughs> cosplay kind of stuff, Jennifer Connelly at the beginning of Labyrinth kind of shit. Uh, <laughs> this is the kind of fantasy we're talking the, the fantasy folk that I love that um, is really deeply uncool, but very, very beautiful to listen to. Um, so um, one of the reasons why I find it to be underappreciated is that like this kind of folk from the 60s and 70s really kind of gets a bad rap because it's like very, um, uh, it's very fantasy and it's very like, um, ladies crying while looking at lighthouses kind of stuff, but it's really, really good. <laughs> That's very specific. Yeah. yeah very specific. <laughs> yeah. It's, is that a recurring image? It, 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 this is actually from a, a poetic, uh, pastiche called pastoral um from from like lord byron and uh percy shelley ages ago that kind of pops in and out of vogue throughout poetry and singer songwriter stuff it's like when you think pastoral you think like green meadows rolling fields shepherds clock towers like villages the shire like fucking tolkien uh yeah that's pastoral Wait. Like, are we talking about Led Zeppelin now, or ah, yeah. exactly Misty Mountain Hop? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just that they took it to a, a prog place, uh, whereas uh, generally the people who were interpreting that kind of stuff were folk singers and mostly women folk singers. And uh, Vashti Bunyan, in particular, has a very um, whimsical voice, um, but not like not with the crags and and. Uh, sharpness of Joanna Newsom's voice like is that, that how you're gonna describe her voice yeah. is that how we're describing that, her that, voice now yeah that's yes which I I use I myself to, on the podcast which so. you love yeah, yes. I liked your your initial um when you first like were citing her influences and saying uh Bjork and Kate Bush I was like aside from the fucking Catterwall like I don't really know what she would have got <laughs> like I see Kate Bush but I was like I don't really get what she got from Bjork aside from like mm, singing in a strange way <laughs> and being weird and being, yeah, and being weird. But, <laughs> it's still being married to Andy Samberg anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I love this style of folk um, and I think it does get kind of a bad rap because of its associations with like uh, capital R romance. Um, but it's beautiful music and Vashti Bunyan. Okay. It, Can you define capital R romance for me? That's like uh, capital R romance is the kind of like um, medieval fantasy where like uh, you're reading from the perspective of the princess in the castle, you know, oh. like with chivalry and knights fighting dragons and shit like that. It's like, I think Sleeping that, beauty shit is what you're trying to say. Yeah. But that being okay. said, like um, these women were using this kind of imagery to speak about something really real in their lives and a particular struggle with um, having to be in a position in society. And I think it was, it's just really great stuff. And most of the singers 
from back then had to be a lot more conventionally talented and sing really, really beautifully. And Vashti Bunyan is one of those women who has a really cool range. So highly, highly recommend Vashti Bunyan, Just Another Diamond Day, and Look Aftering, which Joanna Newsom plays the harp on, um, <laughs> but she does not sing on it. Unfortunately right. for me, right. but fortunately yeah, for people. <laughs> fortunately. I think uh, I think we I think one one of the things that is uh, missing from the, the when we did this and I'm realizing this now is that we didn't make Paul give us his list ahead of time so that we could go listen to this stuff and then <laughs> on it. This is true, um, which may be for the best because then we we can't just like immediately be like oh Jesus the Joanna Newsom. This, yeah, <laughs> um, but no, uh, definitely. Can you uh, when you were done post the list and I'll go listen to this like like I always say and Chrissy likes really grinding me on this but like I do. When people recommend this kind of stuff to me, I will go listen to it. It may not be my thing, but I will go give it a shot. So well, I'll that's what we did. When we did this initially, Tim and I had already exchanged our lists so that we could yeah. kind of go mm. off and at least YouTube some stuff ahead of time so that we were quickly in there. So I have I have my existing notes from when we did this before. Attempt number stuff. one. Yeah, attempt okay. number one on this. Yeah. So we won't get as much um, discussion out of Paul's stuff, I guess, because we didn't plan <laughs> properly for this. So. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> probably for the best because then this would have been a four hour episode. Yeah, it's been a four hour episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would say that um, if you like the soundtracks to like the, if you've ever heard the soundtracks to the original Hobbit movie um, and stuff like that, that kind of like that kind of folk, it's really good. Check it out. Good stuff. Okay. Yeah. The the animated Hobbit movies? The, the uh, Rankin Bass? Yeah. 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 Yeah, wasn't there just the one? They didn't do all of them, right? No, they just did one. Yeah, they did the Hobbit as a single movie. Yeah, okay. It was so bad, but yeah. <laughs> but then they also did, I think, two uh, Lord of the Rings movies as well. Anyways, that's a different story. That's, that's totally when we finally have our Tolkien yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be that. But speaking of four fucking hour long episodes, I'm sure. Yeah. That will, I'm sure that one will be a short one. Yeah, and we have Alicia on. Yeah. yeah so much <laughs> anger in that room. I don't know if we're gonna be able to handle that. <laughs> all right, Tim. All right, I've kept my list exactly the same as when we originally recorded this. Uh, for simplicity and laziness sake. Uh, oh first, uh, I want to make a quick note in saying that uh, obscure is a tough term in this age because uh, music oh, is so democratized now. Like basically anybody can sort of you know find anything at this point. So generally speaking, when I was putting together this list, I was thinking of like artists that you wouldn't see on like a chart of any sort kind of thing yeah, or artists that why yeah. I wanted to kind of like point out underappreciated maybe was probably better yeah verbiage I guess to use at that point yeah. so. or or artists that are generally just yeah exactly were unappreciated when they originally came out kind of thing yeah. um so I have for whatever reason my own reasons have uh, ordered my list from sort of hardest to lightest <laughs> uh, so the hardest one to have my list is uh, Scratching Post, um, which was a Canadian, basically like a uh, female fronted alt metal, new metal band, yeah. uh, very melodic for metal in particular. Um, this one, I'll say, like, if you like uh, stuff like Garbage or like early Hole Records or even like Evanescence or other like Canadian sort of alt metal, like uh, Joy Drop or Biff Naked. There's a little bit would... of... Um... Leader Kenny to them too. I found. Like, yeah, yeah. In like, terms of the the sort of uh, shifting uh, time signatures and stuff also like that, like just the 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 layering of the heaviness to it. Like it's a very mm-hmm. thick sound. They usually kind of had maybe not yeah. as thick as Leader Kenny tends to do. Like 
Those yeah. records tend to be kind of like almost fucking wall of sound attack, but yeah, absolutely. Definitely, there was some influence there, I think, too. At least that's what I caught from it when I was listening to it. So. Yeah. Um, this is where I get super personal because Scratching Post is indirectly the reason that I met my wife. <laughs> um, oh, right. and Tell the story. This is a good story. <laughs> so basically what it came down to was uh, my friends that I was in a band with in high school, uh, they ended up, um, a couple of them ended up doing sound for basically like local bars uh, for bands that would come through kind of thing. And they did uh, sound at a band called Alexander's in Brantford, Ontario. Uh, a sort of colloquial called the Alex and scratching post came through on a like Molson Canadian rocks tour. If any of our listeners remember those, uh, it was the first basically, time I saw Matthew good was on one of those tours. <clears throat> yeah. They were like independent Canadian artists that Molson would basically sponsor to go out and do a tour. And uh, so I went to one of those um, with my friends that were doing the sound for the band at the time. I was basically sort of helping them out, you know, lugging speakers and stuff like that. And uh, Scratching Post, I think, was the headliner of the three shows. Um, I think the others were, I can't remember. One of them was uh, The Salads, if anybody remembers who The Salads were. They were like this kind of scorpion. <laughs> oh, I got it. The salads. Oh, we, we, we saw The Salads at one point, didn't we? We saw yeah. them at an Edge Fest, didn't we? I think so, yeah. yeah. They were solid. They were, yeah, they were really good. Band, yeah. yeah. Um, but so uh, Scratching Post uh, had... Uh, this girl that would go on stage with them, um, who wasn't really like part of the band, but uh, was uh, sort of just a big fan that would sort of follow them around to shows. And she would go on stage basically wearing like uh, just panties and a shirt and like uh, like boots kind of thing. And she was her name was Sunny and she was their panty girl, uh, basically. And she is now married to Blake, who is one of our listeners. So oh, shout out to Blake. Shout out to Blake. And uh, so, but through her and through, uh, they, they had like this fan section on their site uh, where they would take pictures of their fans and like post them up there. This is like late 90s, early 2000s kind of thing, way in the early days of the internet. And uh, I definitely had a picture of myself go up on there uh, that was me and my buddy just straight up mooning the camera. Uh, and <laughs> I remember. There was alcohol involved, and um, really? but <laughs> so through this through Sunny, I uh, found uh, basically her online journal, her blog, and uh, I befriended her on that blog, and then uh, through her, my wife Alicia was also friends with her through another sort of internet connection, and uh, so that was how Alicia and I first found each other and first started talking to each other was through this through scratching posts panty girl sunny <laughs> and then misanthropic romantic history was made after that so. <laughs> exactly and from there the rest is history that's so. the most goddamn romantic um, thing i've ever heard <laughs> yeah panty girl at a scratching post show brought yep. Tim and alicia together <laughs> love it um but but nicole nicole who was the lead for scratching post uh is still active in canadian music um, she now writes songs for Canadian pop artists, basically. So she, Scratching Post, I think is totally defunct now, but uh, she writes songs for like Avril Lavigne and like legit like Canadian pop musicians kind of thing. Uh, and I think she was involved uh, in some extent with like Canadian Idol wow. as well. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it's uh, the sort of thing that you're into, is you like sort of uh, 
Joy Drop or Evanescence or Biff Naked kind of like um, or garbage kind of like alt metal, new metal kind of uh, female fronted stuff, then definitely check them out. Um, my recommendations in terms of tracks, uh, their entire uh, Destruction of the Universe album is really good. If I had to pick a single song for a recommendation, it would be uh, one called uh, Rock Past It, which is a really good like sort of uh, new metal kind of anthem. Was that, what, was that the one that got a lot of radio play at one point? They had a couple. Um, Blood Flame was the one I think that okay. got the most uh, radio the play of theirs. Uh, I think that was, also... that was they had a video for that too, wasn't they on Much Music? I think so. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just a solid track as well, um, but uh, maybe not quite as catchy as Rock Past it was. Okay, fair but. enough. All right. Um, so my first one, um, I guess I'll stay with the Canadian bands, and uh, I'm gonna name drop the Constantines for this one. So. The Constantines had a weird history where they started, um, they're from Guelph, they're, they're, so they ran up the street from me. Um, the and they got Royal their start- City! Yeah, the Royal City. Um, was it, was that, you told that story on one of our episodes, wasn't it? What? The CBC3 the, Yeah, the CBC Radio 3 tags, where yeah. they, yeah. <laughs> Either way, so. so the Constantines were one of those, like, were like, the, the post-Canrock, like, boom of the late 90s kind of thing, they're one of those bands that kind of almost fell in and ended up on the Arts and Crafts label eventually, but got their start signed to Sub Pop. Um, the legendary Sub Pop. The legendary Sub Pop. Yeah, they put out their first album on Three Gut and then got signed to Sub Pop for their, their breakthrough, Shine a Light, and then ended up on Arts and Crafts. So then they kind of got lumped in with that whole mm-hmm. broken social scene, metric stars kind of. Which scene. they didn't really fit into. Which they don't fit into well. at all because it is they're a much kind of they're kind of a post punk bluesy yeah. kind of bar band. Yeah. And a lot harder that a sure. lot much heavier. And I wanted I you know what I did this again. I was like I have to fucking remember which one is the singer that I like because there's two guys, but <laughs> um they're uh they were a nice like middle ground and it's nice that Paul's on this episode because they were the nice middle ground for he and I um because they were just like heavy and blues rock enough for me to get into and had enough indie cred for uh, my <laughs> snotty indie little brother to <laughs> they had those jangly so guitars we... and they had uh, and you are yeah. a lot of the jangly guitar it was angular yeah. guitar was usually what's um yeah got and, and like kind of the thing and the, that, but like the live show sunshine <laughs> yeah I'll was... shine a lot of new shine a lot yeah exactly all that yeah. stuff yeah yeah, the uh, it was the uh, the live shows that always got us because we saw them. I think we were going to see the Weaker Thans the first time we saw them. Yeah, um, and we didn't actually really even know who they were. I think we maybe had picked up Shine a Light yeah. ahead of and time. This, just and this is we where I come back in and say I'm pretty sure I was also at that show. Yeah, it was at least Palace because I've, I've, yeah, de- pre- I've definitely seen Constantine's and Weaker Thans together. Well, they did that tour like three or four years in a row because I yeah. went almost. I think every year they did it. We either I I went on my own or like Paul and I went to those shows because we yeah, were like always early, like, early 2000s, like 2003 yeah. or something. It would have been like three that. when Shine a Light was touring. And it was the first time we saw them. I just remember being at Lee's Palace with Paul and we we're like, OK, we're super excited to see Weaker Thans because we were both super into the Weaker Thans <laughs> at that point. Again, another very indie. Who we're going to have to talk about at some point. And we will when we get like maybe into my next stretch of albums. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'll hit my album list, but like they're definitely they all they were they were on my like kind of extended list for this mm-hmm. um thing, but I figured you would bring you bring them up fairly regularly, so I thought I would just kind of leave the weaker thens to you at some point, even though I have a 
like a lot of listening time put into the weaker thens too but either way paul and i went and saw them at lee's palace and we were waiting for the weaker thens to come on by the time the constantines were done i was like so worn out like i was so into the constantine set that i'm like i don't even care about the weaker thens <laughs> at this point like they were so fucking good and um like from then on i was just like totally sold on these guys and we kind of i think we ended up going to see them half a dozen times inside of a year like every time they came around we would just go they played all over ontario so we saw, we saw them in multiple different cities across ontario yeah. even though, like they played in st Catharines, and we went and saw <laughs> them or something like that like they were played at, like l3 or some ridiculous little club in st Catharines, and we we're like one of 25 people that were there and it's like the city sucks <laughs> just play, please play your set for us anyway kind yeah. of thing <laughs> Um, but they do have they have two um, singers. So there's um, I'm not sure if it is, is it Brian Webb that does the leads. Yeah. So there's Steve Lamke and Brian Webb do the leads. One guy's got a fairly clean kind of nasal voice, and the other guy's got this like growl that you have to hear to kind of listen to. So my song, like if you're gonna go and try and look up stuff, look up um, "Shine a Light" or uh, "Soon Enough," and that it's the, all both of those songs are that guy singing the lead on them and he's got this awesome almost Tom Waitsy kind of like too much whiskey and cigarettes kind of voice yeah. like just sounds like he should be in some bar backroom bar like doing blues stuff and he's just when he screams it's like fucking the devil's coming after you like it's just such a solid <laughs> good rock voice so I would go I think like Paul you probably agree like go get shine a light would be the one absolutely the yeah and like it it was like what introduced the Constantines kind of set their sound for a long time. Um, it has some of the, the songs that I still go back to again and again, kind of thing. Cause they kind of veered into like, once they kind of signed on to arts and crafts, there was a little bit of like that arts and crafts kind of style bleeding into them a little bit. They got a little bit more. Yeah. It's maybe where like the janglier kind of like acoustic softer side of them came out. But it was like the first two, the self-titled Constantine's album, and then like the um, the Shine a Light record, where they were just like this like caged animal of a fucking blues rock band yeah. that like really didn't get like they could have they should have been way bigger, I think. And I think if they'd come out, and I think I said this on our our last shot at doing this episode too, is like if they'd come out in a more rock focused kind of time, like if they'd been around in like the late 90s when like matthew could ban tea party and like the harder rock mm -hmm. was kind of in vogue i think they would have been a way bigger fucking band than they ended up being um but i just think by the time they came out their style was not something that was going to do huge business in a world where like people were going to see metric and yeah broken social scene and that kind of stuff so I think they still do get a lot of like critical cred, but yeah, they were just not like really financially successful or commercially yeah. successful. Yeah. And like they sold out, they just played. I just saw them not too long ago. They just did kind of a reunion thing, um, and they played like a church in Guelph, and they sold that fucking show out in like five minutes flat. Like it was so hard. It was I had to literally go on eBay and like find a guy and scalp a ticket to get to that show, like old school because they, like, they weren't even on. Uh, like StubHub or anything like that. It was like 500 fucking tickets to this show. Mm -hmm. So, and it was well worth it because it was sweaty and hot in that place. And like, it was <laughs> the perfect fucking venue to see them kind of get back together and rip through like a 75 minute set where they it didn't feel like they slowed down at all. So, definitely go pick up those records if you're, uh, if you're into a kind of good post punk kind of blues rock 
based band. I think this is this would be the record for you. Yeah. These would be the guys. Yeah. For you, so. yeah. Shine the light, and I really like Tournament of Hearts too because it has your conductor on it. Um, yeah. Love. Is that the one that's got uh, Trans Canada on it? Too? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I like Trans Canada. It's a good fucking track. No, too. that one that has a hotline operator on it. it doesn't have. Oh, is it a hotline? Yeah. yeah, okay. Either way, honestly, it's three records. I don't think any of them are longer than 40 minutes. Like, just go. Mm-hmm. So they're all on Spotify because I was listening to them this week. Go fucking pick those, or like, fucking pick them up. Who the fuck buys records yeah. anymore? <laughs> me. Uh, go listen to them. They're yeah. awesome. So, all right. Um, okay, so we'll back to the top. Paul, round two. All right, so the next band that I would like to talk about is the Go Team. Um, the Go Team is like a six-piece band from England, and they were definitely active during the 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 rise of the blogs in the early thousands and Pitchfork and whatnot. Yeah, I was gonna say they're a Pitchfork yeah. band. They, yeah. they definitely are, but they def- they they fell out of favor a lot, and I'm not exactly sure why because I I fucking love their sound. Um, so they use they are kind of an indie garage rocky type band. But they use a lot of samples from uh, black exploitation movies, uh, Bollywood soundtracks, um, old school hip hop, uh, cheerleader chants. Uh, it's just uh, they're just a blast to listen to. Um, and I only saw them live once while I was still living in Toronto, um, and it was probably the biggest dance party i've ever been to aside from the daft punk show i went to see um oh i'm so jealous but yeah i can imagine it would have been a good yeah, show good dance yeah show. like everyone it was just such a party atmosphere where everyone was just smiling having a good time and not just staring at the stage and dancing but actually dancing together and like like it was a party um it almost felt like a house party or a block party that we were at instead of a concert um and a lot of that has to do with um, the the lead vocalist was MC Ninja, and she did all of the rapping for uh, all of these songs, and she was just bouncing around the stage, had a ton of energy, um, and this kind of sound, like, the way that the, these songs are put together, they had these really chill kind of moments, but the, the big singles are all these huge songs that really get you pumped up like you're going to uh going boxing and like a title match or like uh it's the 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 big game against like high school rival football teams or something like that like they had they invoke that kind of like jock jamness without being super cheesy and techno about it without the douchiness. without the douchiness yeah like they they get that uh kind of excitement from these really big brassy black exploitation samples i think um my favorite uh my favorite song from them is uh grip like a vice which is the title the uh, lead track off of their second album proof of youth and which is an amazing yeah it's just such a big fun album i put it on to uh work out especially for like my weightlifting days like it just gets me so fucking pumped to listen to all of these tracks that uh i i don't know it, it just like immediate energy boost just to listen to these songs so highly recommend yeah. 
Nice. I love the I love the uh, final track on that album. Patricia's move, moving picture yeah. is one of my like favorite like cathartic. Uh, songs. Yeah, um, they did catharsis really well on these albums. Like they really uh, kept the energy moving really well. Thunder Lightning Strikes, their first album, is also spectacular, back to uh, front to back. Um, and uh, that one has the song Huddle Formation, which was what got me into the Go Team for to begin with. It's like these cheerleader chants, but with this really great uh, garage rock riff going along. Um, just if you like fun, then you like the Go Team. <laughs> so that's a, that's. A, I think that's yeah, fair, for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think I think it's one of those records you tried to get me to mm. listen to, and I was just like, no, no, it's too fun. This is too happy for Mark. I don't, <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like the smile. I don't understand what's going yeah. on. <laughs> this is definitely music, like for that the indie kids felt cool enough to dance to because it was obscure enough, and it wasn't like it was poppy enough that it really got your feet moving, and it's just just a blast. Just so much fun, <laughs> Paul. If All you right. ever make it to Atlanta, there's this uh, like indie rock dance party that happens once a month where they play shit like this, and I think you and I. Uh, I want uh, yes, one hundred percent. They play like they play like Sophie Tucker and uh, like LCD yes. system and shit like that. And yes, yeah. I'm into that. Well, maybe we, maybe we'll have to do a we'll let brothers trip down to Atlanta when you when you get back. Uh, I'm in. Yeah, to, uh, to North America. <laughs> I still got to go down and fucking visit, mm-hmm. so there's that, yeah. too. You do, indeed. Yeah. Maybe once this contract's up, I'll fucking uh, <laughs> fuck off for a couple for a week or something. Nice. Okay, let's keep moving. This is going to be a fucking late night. All right, <laughs> Tim. Uh, so my second one is uh, Reggie in the Full Effect. Uh, so it's very obscure, sort of uh, early 2000s, like, uh, sort of pop punk emo kind of music um basically if you liked uh or like uh brand new or the get up kids or like the starting line you would probably like uh reggie in the full effect uh my experience with them is i saw them open for alkaline trio uh back in the day when i was sort of experimenting with uh with emo and stuff like that and uh, it was one of the craziest it live shows. So bad. <laughs> like you were doing meth for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, experimenting with emo and cutting yeah. myself and yeah, that fucking great wearing eyeliner and, 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 I, and eyeliner and eyeshadow and yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Those stupid the, fucking hand things. Was that the emo kid? Uh, <laughs> the the like, Hardy uh, Boy uh, from the fingerless WWE? gloves or whatever. Yeah, but like the long <laughs> ones. They're all yeah. broken up, like nylon, like arm <laughs> nylons or some shit. Um, but yeah, it was one of the picture you like that. <laughs> no, I, I had uh, I had like uh, uh, like wristbands, like the sweatbands sort of uh-huh. thing. Uh, and I got them. I I can't remember where I got them all, but like they were like nerdy ones. Like I had ones that had like Nintendo characters and stuff like right. that on them, or like uh, Thundercats or Transformers logos and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this was uh, Reggie in the Full Effect put on one of the craziest live shows I've ever seen. So. Um, on top of like their sort of like straight up stuff where it's more like that sort of emo and uh, uh, emo pop punk kind of stuff, like really heavy sort of uh, synth pop punk uh, kind of stuff. They also have a couple um, uh, alter egos, um, including like a Brit pop, uh, a Brit pop, uh, new age, like Euro pop uh, alter ego called fluctuation. F L U X, 
and he came out like wearing like these super short shorts riding in a Barbie like Power Wheels <laughs> Jeep. Yeah, you, and you have stage. to go fucking YouTube this stuff. Like there's not it's all like hand shot video and like phone video and stuff, but like But it's fucking hilarious. It's fucking awesome. Like this <laughs> this is the one I remember when Tim we did this episode initially. This is the one that I was like the music was like I was like, okay, yeah, Tim, you really like the get up kids and like <laughs> or whatever, right? Um those big Weezer power chords. But like these yeah. guys are just fucking fun. Like Yeah. So I definitely um, had, like and was it the metal one? You are gonna talk about yeah. the metal one. But that yeah, was they, they have another awesome. they have another alter ego as well called uh, Klaus and Common Denominator, <laughs> which are like a, a Finlandian death metal band. Oh, it's so good. And at the beginning of every song, like the guy comes out and announces like my name is Klaus. I'm from Common Denominator. We are here to rock your faces off. <laughs> um, but the, the, I mean that that sort of like more, uh, you know, novelty music is really good. But and they've always got a couple of those on each of their albums. But their actual like straight up uh, like synthy punk emo uh, is really good as well. It they're technically strong. They're really proficient. So even like those novelty acts that they do are like technically really good. Yeah, uh, in terms of like the metal stuff and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, their um, instrumentation on those metal tracks. I was like, holy shit, these guys are fucking good at this. Yeah, stuff. they're not fucking around at all. Yeah. Um, and and the what I like, I I'm not really big into like the heavy like screamo kind of emo stuff, but this is a lot more melodic than most emo is. Uh, yeah. which the Weezer which is side of, the of emo stuff, yeah. stuff, right? Which is one of the things that really drew me to it. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's Reggie in the full effect. If I had to recommend uh, albums, their first album, uh, which just will go to show you some of their a little bit more of their humor. Their first album is uh, the album I would recommend, which is called Greatest Hits '84 to '87. So I just love the fucking balls to have your first album be titled yeah. the Greatest Hits album. You have to name thirteen years before you even existed. Um, you have to um. Read the. Do you have them in front of you, like all their album titles? Because they're all fucking. Really, they are, all yeah. Pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Um, here, there's one that's just called promotional copy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and. Um, yeah, there's one that's just straight up called promotional copy. There's one that's called uh, songs not to get married to. There's one <laughs> called, and there's one called under the tray in which the actual album itself, like you'd open up the record case and the album wouldn't be there, but it would be under the CD <laughs> tray. You would have to lift it up to actually find the the actual CD, um, which I'm sure caused all sorts of fucking problems, but I think that that's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, and uh, in terms of a song, they have a song that's called uh, Ode to Mannheim Steamroller. That is just a straight up like fucking really good synth pop uh, or like synth punk uh, song that I would highly, highly recommend is my favorite song. There's for sure, which is on uh, their promotional copy album, which like the album art and everything like f- literally makes it look like, you know, a promotional copy that would get sent to like record stations and stuff like yeah. that. Not an actual album at all. Nice. Yeah, so they no, really these, like to fuck guys, with their listeners. These guys are fun. So I was definitely like I didn't. I enjoyed my 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 time with Reggie and the Full Effect when I was doing research <laughs> for this for this episode. It was they were a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah. Um. Okay. We'll move. Try and keep moving because we're already at two hours. <laughs> we have to keep this down to three each. I think this week and keep it keep it uh, manageable. Uh, okay. I know. We'll have to come back around and do this one again. I think I had a, yeah. I had a bunch of honorable mentions anyway. So we'll get to um, it. Yeah. My next one. 
I'm like picking, now I have to pick. <laughs> All right, fuck it. Um, so my next one, you guys know who Melissa Loft Omar is? Yeah. Bass player yeah. extraordinaire. Um, she has two albums that she put out on her own, but specifically the first one, which is just titled Off Del Mar, um, is a record that I go back to an awful lot for some reason. Like my giant fucking crush on Melissa Off Del Mar, notwithstanding. <laughs> um, so Off Del, like Melissa Off Del Mar is like she's been in every big band like in the past fucking twenty years. It feels like she got her start working with Courtney Love in Hole, mm-hmm. um, and then. Because she knew Billy Corgan in Chicago at some point. Also Canadian. She's from Montreal originally, but got her start doing that. Ended up in, I'm not sure, she she wasn't in Zwan, but she joined the Smashing Pumpkins at one point. And then went back to Hole. And I didn't know this, but I just found that out this week. Did a small, a short stint with A Perfect Circle as well. Because she knew James Iha. Because mm. he had joined Perfect Circle at some point after leaving the Smashing Pumpkins as well. So I'm not sure if he's actually back with them because they're touring again. But anyway, I think it's supposed to be original lineup right now is touring. What, Perfect so. Circle? Uh, no, uh, Smashing Pumpkin. Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, the current I, did, tour. Did um, what's her name Darcy? come back? I Darcy? think so, but I'm not Didn't sure. She all, like heroined out at one point. Smashing Pumpkins tour 2017. Uh, yeah, apparently. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins reunion tour. Oh, okay. He's trying apparently. This is oh, a, as okay. of January this year. Is apparently trying to get the classic lineup back together. So that'll be like Eha and uh, Darcy. Eha's touring with Perfect Circle right now. Um, if I'm not mistaken, because they lost Troy Van Leeuwen to Josh Homme, like because he's mm-hmm. with Queens of the Stone Age and has been for fucking a long time now. He's probably the longest lasting other member of Queens of the Stone Age that isn't Josh Homme or Nick Olivieri. Either yeah. way, um, so like the Oftomar album came out, like I think it was 2003. Uh, I came out 2003, 2000, no, 2004. Either way. Um, but it just was like the best female led rock metal ish album that came like from 1995 that didn't come out till 10 years <laughs> later. It just sounds like an alt rock album that was like, like stuck in amber for 10 years and then came out 10 years later. And she toured the shit out of it because I saw her open for and like this is going back to my weird have to go see Matthew Good 14 times per tour <laughs> thing. But she opened for him on a run of shows. So as I kept going, I saw her do this set over and over again. I was like, fuck, she's so good at being out on her own and doing her own thing. But she got no play whatsoever. Like the like the it got no radio play. It got very little much music play. But she toured the shit out of the record. She did 159 dates in a year to tour this album. And yeah, it's a lot of fucking shows. Um, Yeah. Including like opening for, like obviously I said Matthew Good, open for Perfect Circle, open for a bunch of other people um, over the course of that year and a half touring cycle. But this album, I don't know why I keep going back to it, but like it's my favorite um, female-led album of all time, probably. Just because it's got Everything that I like about kind of a hard technical rock metal-ish kind of thing, um, but led by this super talented French-Canadian girl who doesn't get as much recognition for like the amount of fucking influence she's had on the industry that mm-hmm. she kind of deserves. So 
I have no idea. Did you? Did it ever take you to see one of those shows, Paul? Like, did we? Did you see Optimart? I, Mar? I never show? saw Optimart, which really bugged me because I was like, I was so into Follow the Waves when that was playing, and mm-hmm. that what, for what little play it got on Much Music, whenever it was on, I remember being like, Optimart's on TV again. <laughs> like, I remember that. It's, yeah. Uh, it was such a because it was very much. Um, metal of its time but definitely harkened back to more grungy stuff because obviously that's where she grew up she, Cut her yeah teeth. and it was it was front to back a solid album and she did deserve better for sure but like the the market appetite for metal was not like like pj harvey well it was it was post it was kind of like after the new metal crash like at that yeah. point like yeah and yeah there there but just wasn't an appetite for like angry ladies in the public yeah. sphere anymore because they like uh pj harvey and courtney love did their thing and then alanis morissette turned it pop and then that was kind of done and then which was a damn shame because there were a lot of angry ladies who were making really good music around that time um yeah Bruce assault being another yeah. band oh yeah i love Bruce yeah Assault. yeah, yeah. i'll Aftermar is one that always sort of was on my radar. Like I knew the name, but I never actually like sat down and listened to it. So this is definitely one that I'm gonna have to uh, go check out. Yeah, there's there's two. She did one um a couple years after the fact, like a couple years later. I think it was almost five years later, maybe ten. No, out of uh, yeah, she did one in 2010. Out of our minds, yeah, yeah, which was a little bit more like a concept thing. It was like a multimedia. Like there was an animated. Thing and a graphic novel kind of attached to it and all this other stuff that was not it wasn't as consistent it was a little bit more kind of spacey and weird in spots less accessible that was a much less accessible than the uh the off the mar album but like i go back to that off the mar album a lot and would love to see her come back around and do something because i don't think she's really working with anybody right now i think she's kind of semi-retired from music and just doing like art or something apparently she had a kid in 2011 so yeah yeah, I think she I know she's married to somebody who's relatively successful, I think. So Tony Stone, who's a indie filmmaker yeah. that I've never heard of. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, no, if you uh if you're looking for a, a female led metal band, we've already recommended Scratching Post, but like I definitely think Off the Mart <laughs> is worth a listen. So And I didn't just put this on here so Paul would give Paul wouldn't give me shit that I had all male led <laughs> artists on my thing. <laughs> I actually do genuinely like this album a lot. I think I I was listening to it this week before we even decided to do this, just because it popped up on my Spotify and was like, "Oh fuck, I love that album. Play it, play it, play it." So that that being said, Paul, this was definitely not on Mark's list the last it was time not on my list this episode. <laughs> no, it, it was definitely an audible I called this week. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Sounds moving along. Right. Fuck off. <laughs> um, are we gonna do one more? Yeah, yeah, let's do one more. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Uh, so we'll see where we're at after this one, and then we should okay. probably call it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's getting late where you guys are. Um, for, so the next one, album I want to talk about, not underappreciated, but definitely obscure, uh, would be uh, Pepper Sands. Um, oh, I love that fucking record. Okay, so Pepper Sands was a uh, band that was trying to get good around the early 2000s um 2002 <coughs> right no actually it was 2001 <coughs> yeah i have i have a matthew good related story with this fucking band <laughs> okay 
So Pepper Stands are a Canadian band. Um, some of the the members are from the Yukon. Um, yeah. And Jesus, they, they don't even have a fucking Wikipedia article. No, they one don't. Album, one album out. Good record, though. I don't, you know what? Good. I don't even know if I have it. Do you have that CD still, Paul? I still, I still have the CD. Can you uh, share it for me? I'd be happy to. I have it on my hard drive right now because I was on Spotify. I should check fucking Spotify. Right. So this band um, is a power pop, kind of punky uh, band uh, that was trying to make good after the uh, the Can Rock resurgence, but before Pitchfork was kind of a thing. Yeah. So um, they they fizzled out after a few TV performances, and they had one video, two videos. Uh, that played on MTV2 in Canada when that was <laughs> still a thing. Yeah. So, um, I saw their video for Win Big Lose More, the first single off of the album. They have uh, two records. I, they have, what? There's another, there's a, 2000, there's a 2007 album on Spotify, Forest Strays. No shit. Well, you learn something new every day because I thought they just <laughs> kind of vanished. Um, uh, the the album, the first album was produced by a Matthew Goodband member, yeah. Dave Get. Dave Get. Uh, and it was really, really fun. It was a, uh, yeah, just poppy, uh, melodic, interesting. The, the lead singer, Citizen A, had like, she had a really kind of fun, growly voice. And, uh, but it still translated really well to a lot of their poppier songs. Pretty fucking uh, cute too. Yeah. Yeah, she's a good looking girl. Um I forgot so I, the album cover is so like it's like proto white stripes. Like it's black, red, and white. Like it's so I forgot they had that look, like that interpoly white stripes kind of look. Yeah, you know, that was super popular. But, 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 but this no. is before any of those bands really hit. Maybe Interpol, I guess, was kind of No, White White Stripes was already Yeah. Was already was popular it? by then because White Blood Cells, their the fell in love with the girl was two thousand one. Oh, was yeah. it two thousand one? So, I thought it was I thought it was two thousand two. No, no. So they like the White Stripes already had this red, white, and black motif okay, right. uh, as part of their thing, but uh there the the aesthetic of the band was really good and very well thought out. I think that they were just maybe like they they their image outran their actual skill because I saw like live performances on TV, which never are that great to begin with, but like it was pretty rough. And I remember I was supposed to go see them live. Um, and someone went for I think you went for me, Mark, because I had to yeah, babysit. You, yeah, you bailed for some reason, and I went. We were gonna go together. That wasn't like I was. We were just gonna go. They played yeah. at a shitty little club. In St. Catherine, and like literally, I was there with there was fucking five people. Yeah, like I was there pretty much like just to see this band on my own, and so I ended up. And like this is such like a dick me thing to do too. Is like I they came to the bar after like they literally thanked everybody that was there for coming up. They did their full set, like they did like an hour and stuff like that. They were pretty good, not great, mm -hmm. but good. And also, you got to remember they're playing in a bar, so. Yeah, not exactly like the ideal place for this kind of thing because they're a little bit more kind of artsy, like showy, I guess. Like, I yeah. felt like they had loftier ambitions in terms of like what they would want to do show wise than like playing in a tiny club. Yeah, but like, I definitely like was like picking their brains because when they were producing this album, the Matthew Good Band was imploding 
like so Dave Gann was running out um to help produce this record or produce this record while they were recording the audio of being and also this is like in the midst of Dave Gann leaving and coming back to the band every two weeks or something like that before it completely fell apart so I was like I really love your album blah 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 this is great what the fuck was going on please give me some insight what was happening with the Matthew Good band because you have some more because <laughs> I just wanted to know yeah I was so desperate for news about that so and and I was sitting in uh, our she was our aunt's house. so good looking yeah <laughs> very nice too like sweet girl yeah because I, I was supposed to go to that show, but I had forgotten that I had committed to uh, babysit my baby cousin that day. And I had to go babysit Alex and Max, uh, my, our cousins. And uh, I, I sent you out there as my ambassador for Pepper Sins, and you got me a signed poster and things That's like right, that. I so, did. I'm a good brother. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. So, uh, you had your ulterior motives, too, obviously. But, well, like... I, I thought she was hot, and I wanted to know. I was like, you wanted the dish. You wanted the well, scoop. I didn't think I was actually going to get to talk to them. I mean, I got to. It yeah. just happened that I was like one of the only people that showed up to see this show, and they <laughs> yeah. came over to talk. And like, I got to sit there and talk. To, I can't remember the, what the hell was her name. Citizen A. No, a it was Adrian. She, you know, yeah, she I gave me her real name while we were talking because we talked for like an hour. Like we had a couple drinks while we were sitting there. Um, yeah. I remember like afterwards you being really pissed off that not only did I see the show. <laughs> But we just got to hang out afterwards, and I pretty much just we just talked about music for an hour. It was pretty cool. Super jealous, yeah, yeah. Because at, at that point, uh, that album was on repeat in my CD player for like God knows how long. So yeah, yeah. it was a good um, record though. I really I remember enjoying this record. I completely forgotten about it. Fuck, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, check out if you need to check out one track. Win big, lose more. Uh, uh, or Forever Wonder, but the whole self-titled CD is really good, and I have to go on Spotify and check out this fucking second route record that they have because I, I had no idea. <laughs> just <laughs> if to you show can actually how find it. Yeah, yeah no, it's, I like, it's fucking right there. Yeah? I don't know. It's called Forest yeah, Phrase from 2007. Yeah. The problem is that uh, Korea and Spotify are not friends. I have Apple Music. Maybe it's on Apple Music. It might be on Apple Music. It's hard to say. I just, like, I have Spotify open all the time because... I have a free subscription through my phone thing, so I use that. It's, it's handy when somebody like mentions something that I may not listen to on a regular basis, and they're like, you should listen to this, and I'm like, yeah, so I don't have to download it and add it to my fucking ridiculous MP3 collection. I can just yeah. type it into Spotify yeah. and be like, do I like this, yay or nay, and then grab it properly. Yeah, Apple Music has it, so I'm adding it to my playlist now. Sweet, sweet, sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, know, cool. It's, it's a good record. You should... Uh, you should definitely go yeah, listen to it. You that. actually like it, Tim. You like that kind of power pop thing. So. Yeah, yeah. That definitely sounds up my alley. Sounds like what we were just talking about, Verucasol a little bit. Sounds very, mm-hmm. very Verucasalty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Uh, so, yeah. Pepper Sands. All right. All right, Tim. One more. All right. One more. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Ozma. So, this is very much a. Uh, Weezer clone. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> this was very much like maybe the ultimate Weezer clone. One of them, yeah. There's maybe one or two that uh, that really were super uh, Weezer influenced. Um, so yeah, this is obviously banned. If you like Weezer, if you like the Rentals, you know, or any other other Weezer's other sa- side projects, then yeah. you will probably like Ozma as well. 
so I came across Ozma in like my early uh, years of undergrad, like the early 2000s, where I was, uh, this was basically that sort of Weezer desert uh, in between Pinkerton and the Green album, yeah. where I was looking for like, I was like, I'm super into this. I want to find as much music as I can that is reminiscent of this. And uh, Audio Galaxy, for those of you that remember Audio Galaxy, <laughs> had, had that feature where it would tell you, like, if you like Weezer, you should check out this band as well. And Ozma was one of those. And so I downloaded, like, everything I could from Ozma. And I was like, yep, you were fucking right, Audio Galaxy. I also very much like this. Um, but yeah, it's a huge amount, of especially, like, early Weezer influence, like that more... Yeah, uh, sort of power jag- cards. Yeah, big, big powery, um, jangly, sort of more, uh, you know, proto emo, sort of slanted, uh, synth poppy kind of stuff. Um, really good use of synth. A uh, lot of like nice changes in tempo. A lot of really nice like sort of Beach Boysy harmonies. Um, you still have that like raw emotion that you get off of Pinkerton, and even the vocalist really sounds a lot like uh, Rivers from Weezer did. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of like very similar themes to Weezer stuff. Like, you know, growing up as a nerd in the eighties, like being awkward around the opposite sex and, uh, growing up while still holding on to like your childhood interests sort of thing. Like that sort of man child thing that, uh, rivers really personified. Yeah, that, that, uh, that we really, know nothing about, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not at all. As, as I've got a huge amount of comics behind me and Mark has a huge amount of, Transformers. Transformers behind him, and Paul's got some anime figures behind him. Yeah, yeah we don't know about that at all. Nope. nope. Um, we don't have three more masterpiece Transformers coming this week. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a sound wave, guys. I needed a sound wave. Hey, yeah, you need it. Need to buy the cassette yep. separately. God damn it. <laughs> anyway, um, but Ozma is also pretty technically interesting. Uh, like they're. Uh, they they do use sort of like unusual time signatures. Uh, the guitars in particular are like really good, like layered, crunchy, powery kind of guitars. Um, what else to have? Uh, really good guitar solos as well. Uh, like if you think about like the guitar solo from like uh, Say It Ain't So, that kind of thing. There's some yeah. really reminiscent ones of that with uh, Ozma as well. Yeah, these guys are definitely like the um, the best Weezer that isn't Weezer. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. Yeah, if I, I had like this... they stayed more consistently in that, like, like Weezer never put out another album that was like that yeah. felt like the Blue Album. I feel like these guys kind of maybe it's the diet version of the Blue Album, <laughs> but it's always consistently that kind of yeah quality. Like they're they're a really good fucking band. Like if you like that Weezery power pop or like because I always felt like that for especially the first, we talked about this ad nauseum probably, and maybe it's just because we're repeating ourselves. Like a couple months ago, yeah. But like, if you like those that big kind of crunchy, almost metal style guitar that first Weezer album has, that's the one drawing point that always brings me back to the Blue album is just that like super overdrive guitar on mm-hmm. everything. Like when they really kick in, Ozma does that like, yeah, fucking definitely. awesome. Yeah. And if there if there's one thing that's sort of stand out between, like if I had to say, you know, what's the one thing that makes them different from uh Weezer is that they do lean a little bit heavier into the synth stuff. Yeah. Uh so there is a little bit more of that like uh sort of uh synthesizer poppy kind of stuff to it. Um they have a really good uh cover of the Tetris theme. It's uh what Balalaika. <laughs> uh, um 
But uh, I'm going to go ahead and recommend uh, their album uh, Rock and Roll Part 3, which came out in 2001. And I think, for me, this album is a perfect sort of transition album between Weezer's, like, Blue Album and Pinkerton. Like, cause, cause not by some, Weezer? Yeah, just not by Weezer. And it came out four, four years after Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like there are obviously some really stark differences between the blue album and Pinkerton. And I think that this album in particular, uh, rock and roll part three really sort of bridges that gap between those two albums really well. Um, and, uh, it's the, it's, it's nice as well because the songs do sort of like bleed into each other. Like it is sort of like, a uh, they all, they all seg into each other really nicely. Uh, and in terms of an individual song, uh, Battle Scars, uh, which I think is off Rock and Roll Part 3, maybe. Uh, come on, iTunes, don't fail me now. Yes, it is off Rock and Roll Part 3. Is uh, a really nice like pop punk sort of ballad uh, in the same way that Only in Dreams, uh, the last song off of the Blue Album is. And I, it was one of those songs where like I... Only in Dreams is such, such like a special song to me, and it, I never really thought that I would find another song that was quite like that. And then I heard Battle Scars, and I was like, "Okay, now I have another." There you go. Nice. Yeah. So, and and even since then, it's the only song that I've found since then that has sort of holds that same sort of musical space. Nice. All right, so my, I, I fuck. I have like sixteen fucking bands sitting here. That I <laughs> want to talk about? Let's do let's do something really rocking. So. We'll, I think the last one I'll talk about will be Caius. Nice. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, Caius is the the band that birthed Queens of the Stone Age. It was kind of it was Josh Homme's first band that he joined. Like he must have been a fucking child because he was like in 1987. I think Caius got together. Like so, like birthed while in the desert on peyote sort of thing. Well, that's like and that's the thing about Caius, right? Like they were this. All this stuff, like all the the nuance, and Paul may laugh at this, but like the nuance that Queens of the Stone Age has, like Caius has none of that whatsoever. This is Queens of the Stone Age without any of that. Like, this is the id, I guess. What would what would the thing be like? The most the id is the the uncontrolled, like the most. Yeah, yeah. This is the id of Queens of the Stone Age, kind of writ large. Like, it's Queens of the Stone Age, like. A thousand percent more cheap beer, more weed, and like, <laughs> more fuzz than whatever. And it's been left out in the desert to just kind of fucking... You can't even rot in the desert, just dry out, I guess, at that point. So, um, this band was, like, notorious for these, like... And got their start because they would pl- take to play where they were, because they're in kind of, like, the desert of, like, Nevada or California. Um, they do these generator parties where they re- play, go out into the desert bring a bunch of beer, bring a bunch of generators, hook up their gear and play all night while everybody around them just like lit fires and fucked and <laughs> did drugs. And yep, that's basically what it sounds like. Got into a fight. And that's pretty much what the music sounds like. <laughs> um, where Josh Homme's guitar tone kind of comes from too. Like these albums, like he's playing guitar through a bass amp just to get it as fuzzy and heavy as also, possible. Yeah. Like also just, super overdrivey yeah. and, just yeah. crazy overdrive, crunchy. super distorted, super yeah. crunchy. The songs are not short. They're all kind of long, progressive, passagey kind of things that go on for 
sometimes they don't actually go on as long as you feel like they go on, but they are very like groove the, kind of oriented. They're, they're repetitive and droney, but in a good way. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, exactly. Something that if you're stoned off your ass and in the middle of the desert, you're just going to rock out to, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but it's definitely like you can hear that influence kind of throughout the Queens of the Stone Age stuff. And like, I don't know, it's just like a good driving stomp around music. Like it's <laughs> awesome stuff to go listen to. When we did this episode initially, I had written like to compare all these bands to something else. I've written these disgusting fucking sexual euphemisms for them. <laughs> the only one I'm going to repeat is this one. It's like Caius to me always sounds like Led Zeppelin took the Grateful Dead out into the desert, got them fucking stoned on peyote, and then blew their minds by power-bottering the shit out of them. <laughs> like Aleister Crowley did, and like <laughs> caused that that Grateful Dead to fucking have a nervous breakdown, and that's what Caius is. Um, <laughs> the only difference is that like instead of like the guy that actually got taken out by Aleister Crowley and power-bottomed into fucking insanity, one of them turned into be like Josh Homme. So ended up being this massive fucking extremely hot fucking ginger god. So if you're looking for something that, to just kind of like drive Mark around, Mark would totally go gay for. I would fucking absolutely go gay for. <laughs> absolutely. I went. Well, I saw them. I, mean, I probably talked about it on the podcast. I saw Queens of the Stone Age a couple weeks ago, and my sister. I, my sister came with me. Um, and he's dancing was around. It, was it awkward like, that you had a big boner right beside your sister? God, well, we got separated, so it wasn't that awkward. <laughs> but... <laughs> he starts dancing around to Misfit Love, and I'm like, shit, man, maybe I am. <laughs> Is he a vampire? Because then I don't, I definitely do. <laughs> I definitely do that. Um, the are- but yeah, no, if you're. Right? Like, What's definitely that? a vampire, though. Like, 100%. Well, he's pale. He could be a vampire. I think <laughs> yeah. that was just the ginger, though. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But if you if you like Queens of the Stone Age or you like a good hard rock, like I definitely think Caius is something that, like you can get into. They are. There's a ton of albums out there by them. Obviously, they're long defunct and will not ever get back together because Josh is a little busy doing other things these days. So producing Iggy Pop albums and the like, which was an excellent record. Did you listen to it? Uh, I've heard, I heard the single and I liked it. Yeah, it's a good fucking CD. But he's actually they're getting ready to release their new album. Like Billings comes out in August, like a month from now, actually August twenty fifth. Yeah. The new Queens of the Stone Age record comes out, and they will be back in Toronto in September because I got my fucking sweet sweet tickets to that already. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But uh, go listen to some Caius, man. It'll if you need if you need something that's like heavy and groove oriented, go for yeah. it. I'll second that one for sure. Yeah. All right, boys. Uh, two hours, 29 minutes, 45 seconds on this mark. So we should probably call Phew. this show a goddamn show. Call this show a show. We will definitely get back to doing these because we. I think we all had another six that we could have talked about tonight. Hopefully we'll be able to do this. When at it's not. least. Um, yeah, definitely at least. Um, maybe when we don't have a news heavy fucking week and <laughs> Christy has disappeared. Maybe we can revisit it next week if Christy's not uh I don't know what Christy's up to next week. So if she's not around, there you go. Excuse me. We can do part two. We seem to like going into these part two things these days, eh? Yeah. We're we're get, getting back. We're starting to make the rounds again. Yeah. Alright. Um we good to go? 
Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can give us a like on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. Um, let us know what you're thinking. If you have any obscure artists you'd love to recommend to us, we'd love to hear it. Um, we're always looking for something. I'm always looking for something new to listen to. I know the guys are too, usually. Yep. Um, so if you think you've got something that we haven't heard before, shoot us a line and we'll give it a spin. Absolutely. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast. Um, we're available, obviously, wherever you get your podcast from. So Apple Music, Stitcher, uh, Google Play Store, I believe we're on there. Um, I should try and get us on Spotify at some point because I know they're carrying podcasts now. I heard it's quite the fucking process to get in there, but might be <laughs> might be worth giving it a shot. Um, give us a rate and review on your platform of choice. It would help get us some listeners, which we appreciate. It's always nice to have extra people in the conversation. Um, and that's about, I was going to, I usually make a joke about Christy not sharing, but she's not on the fucking show. <laughs> um, two times she shared it. She likes to remind me. Um, all right. So for dance robot dance, uh, I'm Mark, Tim say good night. Thanks for listening. Keep it weird. Keep it weird. Paul. Good night. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for being on. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.